Welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast. The AE Pod of Thunder and Rock and Roll. Seasons don't fear the Reaper, nor do the wind or the sun and the rain. Come on, baby. Attitude Era Podcast. All right, everybody, before we get started in today's show, I do have a very humorous article I'm going to read out for you. It's called Humorous Incidents That Occurred in 2009. We'll get to that just shortly, but first of all, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Head on over to squaredcircle.biz. We're happy to announce the first ever Attitude Era podcast t-shirt. You can check it out now, squaredcircle.biz. They're the shirts that I wear. It's 16 pounds or $20, including postage. You can get them shipped to America. You can get them shipped to Ireland. You can get them shipped to the UK, to Australia, to Timbuktu. Check it out, people! I'm telling you guys, these shirts are amazing. Tell me what you think about them, Tunisia. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good shirt. I, uh, I've bought one or two shirts from their site before. They, they know what they're doing, those guys. They've got a good shop going. and They've got a really good system of how to buy shirts. <laughs> Great material. Fantastic. So make sure you head over to squaredcircle.biz right now. Check it out, people. Hip to be a square. It's hip to be a square. Squared circle dot beers. Get the t-shirt now. Okay, guys, before we get into it, I want to pay you a cut off my new record from my band, Fizzy. This is called When the Ads Go Out. You're listening to the Attitude Era Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast, Bono Fan Voto Special Edition. Yep, that's a catchy title. Hello, roll off the tongue. Can we not call it that, please? Put that on a shirt squared circle. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, yes, it is the special, first time ever we did this. Oh yeah, you always like getting the old glad gay community involved. Yeah. Uh, when, when possible. Let you have your say, so to speak. And uh, we, we, in this instance, allowed fans to smack down their vote. Yeah, we gave them people power. People power! Because we has become popular <laughs> and is president of the... <laughs> so what were the choices again that they had to choose from? They had to choose from SummerSlam 1997, yep. Royal Rumble 1998, mm-hmm. Legends House Episodes 1 and 2, yeah. and Starcade 1997. Which is what we're reviewing today. And as you can know that tell from the amazing artwork from Michael Scally, Fizz vs. the World, it is indeed Starcade 1997, which came in with an impressive 55% of the votes. Whoa, okay, that's a landslide. And we nearly had 2,000 votes. Wow. So first of all, thanks very much for voting. That yeah, was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for everyone taking part. It was, it, well, let me do this again, like, you know, to get people to vote for these kind of one-off episodes and yeah. stuff. Because I, I, I really want to review Legends House. I'll be honest, I kind of thought that maybe we tipped it in the way of, like, people, oh, Legends House, everyone's definitely going to pick Legends House. And yeah, I like, well. I was looking forward to talking about Howling Mad Roddy Piper. You'll be happy to know that Legends House episode one and two came paddy fucking last. Wow. okay, we get it. Like, you don't want 10% to... of the votes. Or we can just review it. 
bit of her own sakes, like in our spare time, not release the podcast. It's fine. We'll go ahead. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll continue watching Legend Taste and make hilarious observations, and you won't know what they are. <laughs> so there. <laughs> but in the meantime, Starcade 1997. Uh, this was one which I don't know. We mentioned it somewhere. It might have been some other podcaster interview. I mentioned that because we had done Bash to the Beach 2000, yeah. which admittedly was one of the most overwhelmingly negative episodes ever. Yeah, and you know there are a lot of WCW fans out there. A, a lot of there was a lot, yeah, a lot of good folks out there who love their WCW. And I think some people were like, you know, it, it, WCW in 2000 is not representative. Like Episode One, The Phantom Menace, is not representative of Star Wars. Of Star Wars. Yeah, that's and true. also as well because we were looking at it for that kind of the Vince Russo perspective to look at his kind of. We weren't looking at WCW really. We were no, we were looking at, at, at WCW through the eyes of looking for his tropes and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, we admit that is not very good representation of WCW. Obviously, WCW massive deal during the late nineties yeah. attitude era. So why not go and have a look at Starcade nineteen ninety seven? Which is the most successful pay-per-view offering WCW ever did. Yeah, I really didn't want to review another WCW show. I thought after Bash at the Beach we were kind of done with that. I thought like, no, no, we'll just be WWF. I don't want to see any more of that shit because I hated it so much. But um, when you told me this is basically their most successful pay-per-view ever, I actually did sort of think like, oh, okay then. So if this is the best that WCW has to offer, then maybe this will change my mind and I'll well, like them a bit more. Or... You know, the, the, let's not confuse the words best and most successful. Because there is, well, you know, I mean, usually in wrestling you think one follows the other. Yeah. Like their most successful show has to be their, their best show. But I do think in terms of getting a look at what makes WCW most successful, this is a pretty decent going because you have NWO, you've got some Cruiserweight action, you've got, you know, the style of wrestling that was popular at the time, and you've got the politics and the bullshit. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to hearing all about. Yeah, exactly. So, strap yourselves in. Washington, D.C., December 1997. Bret Hart's only after leaving WWE and heading over to the enemy territory, which has been kicking WWF's ass in ratings for nearly a solid year. Wow. But one of the most hot angles of all time, which is the NWO, and a man who's not wrestled in 18 months hanging in the rafters called Sting. We're building to this head. It's WCW versus NWO, Starcade 1997, Nat of So, off the bat there, this would have been... I think Bash of the Beach was your first ever WCW show, right? Yeah, first ever. This is my second WCW pay-per-view now. I don't think we ever really got into it much in terms of... Like, if you want, had you, were you aware of WCW you know, when you were a fan growing up? Oh, I was always aware of it. Like, I remember I'd see a few mates of mine had, like, 
Goldberg or Hollywood Hulk Hogan toys, and I was like, who are these lads then? And they'd explain to me it was another show called WCW. I wasn't even aware that it was on Channel 5. I didn't know you yeah. could watch it in England. I thought watch it was it on, just uh, on the, the channel that came on after Cartoon Network went off the air at 9pm. Yeah, I wasn't aware they, of that. They would show Nitro as So well. I only watched WWF because I didn't know I had a choice. Uh, but then because always I was hearing about things happening on WCW and I only had WWF, I was always one of those kids that was like, no, yeah, fuck WCW, no, yeah, WWF's the best, just because I hadn't seen it, so. It's like, I had friends who were fans as a, as a kid, and like, out of principle almost, because like, you know, got interesting because my older brother and his friends, and they were yeah. like, you know, they liked ECW, and they thought, oh, fuck WCW, it's the worst, and I was like, kind of almost... I wouldn't want to say like you know um, joining in. Really. It was joining in. It was yeah. kind of like it was almost like peer pressure. It's like right, I guess I can't like this then. And so it's only really like in the last five years, you know, with WWE pumping out some of those DVDs and compilations, yeah. I actually kind of got to to watch a bit of the old WCW. But as a kid, it was always very mysterious for me because it's like there's this other show and they've got every single name you could think of. Because I knew Hogan, Savage, yeah. even Hall and Nash, Bret Hart. These are all the guys who like, you'd see toys with them all the time. It's like, wait, those are the, the yeah, big stars, those though, are right? the big What are they doing over there? Yeah, you know. To me, it still sort of feels like I am that child that sort of like doesn't really watch WCW and therefore automatically <laughs> doesn't like it because I've seen loads of stuff like you know clips and archive footage, and then you maybe watch the WCW documentary, but it always just seems like I'm viewing it from afar. I've never mm. actually felt like I've been immersed in a WCW show and actually enjoying it the same way I have with WWF. And it's hard as well with WCW. Like, we'll admit off the bat. Watching WCW objectively is very difficult when, you know, the last 13 years there has been a concerted effort from basically the only wrestling game in town to make you perceive WCW a certain way. Yeah, it's like, a failure. And that is a bad way. Yeah. They've warmed up to it recently, but as it stands, from, from how WWE's perspective of WCW is, it was a bloated, horrible place where everyone went and made loads of uh, loads of money and bankrupted everything and ruined the business. But they had nice cruiserweight matches. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like, oh damn, that no good Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. But look, Rey Mysterio doing a flip. <laughs> doing his flip de do. Uh, <laughs> that's basically it summed up. So, I mean, I thought this would be a nice one to look at as well because, you know, Sting, we're in summer 2014. Yeah, perfect Sting timing. Sting's back. just come back. If you're listening to this in the future and laughing away at the... <laughs> how bad Sting's return was. And Mate, all I'm saying is they have a lot to live up to after Bane for Glory, TNA, uh, Sting and Hogan, yeah. you know? So, another one as well maybe you want to quickly mention we've never talked about before, and this is a big deal going into this pay-per-view, the New World Order. Yeah. NWO. Did you were you watching WWE when they brought back NWO? Or? No, that was uh, when NWO came back. That was just after I'd left wrestling again and sort of took a break from it for a few years. So um, I would still play the video games, and I remember seeing the characters and being like, "Oh, yeah. who are these lads?" And then why have they all got the same clothes? I mean, to this day, like you, I, we've had several long conversations where you've explained to me storylines involving the NWO and who they were. I still don't fully understand the NWO. I don't think because it's like. I'll, I'll give you my basic understanding of it. Is, <laughs> I, I feel like Billy in this situation. Yeah, no. I, I know nothing about WCW. Like, so um, it's this big group with all the bad guys in. Yeah. And then there's, there's, there's like a million NWO splinter factions as well, from what I understand. There's like, I've heard of the B team. Yeah. Then there's the New Bloods. Oh, that's uh, different to the uh, There's NWO. the Wolf Pack. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's, was the Outsiders what the NWO became, or what we used to be? Sorry. Outsiders was a tie team within the NWO. Jesus, right, this is what I mean. I can't keep up. There's so much and to... And then there's the Latino World Order, NWO 2000, NWO... NWO 2000! Which had our boy Jeff Jarrett. Oh, no. 
This is what I mean. It's it's very complicated to try and figure out. It sort of feels like you know when NWO Japan as well. Yeah, it just feels like I've missed out on an entire big thing, and it's too late to possibly catch up now. Like I'll never fully understand it. And it's not as complicated as they had you believe. I mean, it is essentially the baddies. It started off as like the outsiders from the WWF, but it became at this point where we are in WCW. You know, the, the problem with NWO, we'll see as it goes on, it grew and grew and grew and grew. And it grew and became successful, but they never found that cut-off point. Yeah. So we're at the point here in the timeline where the NWO has went from being three, like, really cool dudes who have this mystique about them to, like... Every Tom, Dick and Harry. Loads of guys who have even more henchmen. Virgil's which, on there, like. Yeah. Everyone's in the NWO. But the basic bill for this, though, is that they, the NWO had been running roughshod over the entire company since they debuted in summer 1996. You have the original group of Hall, Nash and Hogan. You know, Hall and Nash came in from WWF and then they turned Hogan to join them as the yeah. third man. And they were untouchable. Hogan wins the belt. They killed the horsemen. They killed the Dungeon of Doom. Any fucking guy who had any glimmer of hope to stop the NWO, constantly they would lose. And they were heels. Oh, NWO were heels. They were cool as fuck. They had all the airtime, all the mic time. They did what they wanted. And they always won. They always had the last laugh. So, you know, you're seeing the likes of Flair, Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, the Steiners, all these guys, even the Giant, they constantly jobbing out. Or joining the NWO. I was going to say that. Because like, like yeah. Macho Man, for instance, you'd be like, oh, he'll start, no, he just joins the NWO. Right. But it's like, oh, but maybe Mr. Perfect, no, he joins the NWO. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so, like, with Hogan, Nash and Hall, yeah, you can have them beating everybody and never losing. That seems believable. Mm. But when you got guys like Virgil in your roster, yeah. like, he can't surely be going around beating everybody I know, as part and of the NWO. That's just stupid. But there is one glimmer of hope here, and this is, some would argue, what's difficult when I tell you that they're beating everyone, they're constantly winning all that, now you're thinking immediately, well, that's just stupid. That's bad booking. How could they do that? But this whole time, the thing that, you know, WCW fans were clinging to was the fact that the main WCW guy, Sting, yeah. at the end of the summer of 96, he was involved in like a misunderstanding. People thought he was in the NWO. He left and he's like, can't believe you don't trust me. And he went from being this bright-eyed, colourful character to this creep hanging out in the rafters. Yeah. He did not wrestle for 18 months. He wasn't injured, he wasn't hurt, he wasn't in a contract Just dispute. Watching. They would show him watching. Now and then, you would catch a glimpse of him. Maybe before this pay-per-view, you know, he appeared in the ring and he killed all the NWO guys. Yeah. And as it stands, in you know, an era where CM Punk drops a pipe bomb and two weeks later, he's back. Yeah. Or, you know, CM Punk leaves with the title and a week and a half later, he's back. Yeah. It's amazing to think in a company, this is when they were beating WWF. And their top guy was doing nothing but wait. Genuinely taking their time with something. And building to this pay-per-view. Yeah. So that's a pretty big build. That's true, yeah. That may seem like a lot of exposition, but you have to understand, if you don't kind of... WCW, not big on the promo packages. Yeah. Big on the announcers telling you stuff. Yeah, that's true enough. But not big... Like, you don't get that kind of real hyper package that kind of explains the intricacies. So... A lot going into this. That said, what do you think to the opening package we had here? I fucking... I love these opening packages. It's all cinematic. Oh, I thought it was so silly. It's the crow. It's it's like... Yeah, fair enough. Compared to Bash at the Beach, this is good. It's proper presentation, production values. It looks really... It looks great. It looks epic. 
I think. But it's, to me, it's like saying, yeah, the package for Unforgiven 98 looked great, mm. but it was still, you know, Freddie Blassie talking about gods <laughs> yeah. and mythical creatures. It's, it's of, too silly. It's but, of the time, I suppose. I guess in the, like, in the late 90s, this was kind of like, oh my God, wrestling is badass, but like it now... It just like, reminded me of like, you know, Todd McFarlane kind of stuff, you know, lightning, rain. Well, it reminded me of fucking, um, look, when you see Sting like stood on the side of a building in the pouring rain, I thought he was like climbing a bell tower to rip the symbiote off and stuff <laughs> or something. <laughs> And then you see, like, Hulk Hogan at the bottom of the bell tower looking up like, huh, boredom. Huh. <laughs> He's Spider-Man. I immediately off the bat with Starcade, I always feel, like, jazzed up. Because you do have that kind of ridiculous over-the-top promo package. Yeah. And then you could, you know, to a pretty big crowd for them, you know. Uh, they're in Washington, D.C. And then you've the, you know, the nice big Starcade stage. Yeah. And we get our announcers for the evening. Tony Schiavante, Dusty Rhodes, and Mike Tenay. I'm sorry, but Dusty Rhodes. I love him, but he does not belong on this pay-per-view. Not a destiny, baby, daddy. <laughs> Tonight, destiny will prevail here at the Destiny Dome. As I said earlier, on the mother destiny... <laughs> Destinies will be knocking on the door of destiny tonight. <laughs> it's on, daddy. He just goes on about yeah, it. Yeah, he says it so many times tonight. Oh, and, fucking hell. And I, Tony Schiavone, it's funny to think, because we saw him in 2000, he's so much more animated here in comparison, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, he's not lost all hope yet. There's still blood flowing through yeah, those veins. He's still got a bit of passion. <laughs> um, the first thing we see in the actual pay-per-view when it cuts from the promo package made me just burst into laughter straight away. <laughs> The fireworks and the oh, pyro yeah. are ridiculous. They just... And that must have cost a fortune. It went on for like a minute. They had the most impressive display of indoor fireworks WCW It always. was nuts. Just... For like a minute and a half. Well, like in WWF, in Attitude Era, how many lads had pyro? Kane, Taker, Shawn Michaels sometimes, but you know. X-Pac with the x shape. Yeah. But like, if a guy had pyro, it was part of the entrance. Yeah. It, like... If Rock came out and he didn't have pyro, no big deal. Yeah, that's true. But WCW loved its fucking pyro, particularly when it's had this unlimited seeming you know, supply of money. Yeah. Like, Flair would come out and just stand there with his hands and hips going, I can't believe I'm here tonight in Charlotte. And behind him, there's a million fucking explosions <laughs> and fireworks and dry ice. And in here, they have fireworks and, you know, in the middle of the ring, which I've never seen before. Like, I thought it's they were going to burn it. It's ridiculous. It's like a parody of a fireworks it's like, show. You know, you can time up your fireworks in fucking, in one of the wrestling games. Yeah. I remember my brother did it once and he gave himself so many fireworks, he slowed down the CPU. So his character <laughs> would like just slow down. It's what it feels like here. Gratuitous use of fireworks. It is gratuitous. It's over the top. And when money is tight, like at the moment in WWE, they're cutting money. Yeah. And the first thing that always goes is fireworks. Yeah. Not a lot of fireworks in the new generation, for instance. Nah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you get the lightning sounds as well? Oh, God, yeah. Ludicrous. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a right stormy night, this one. Unbelievable. Dusty as well, like, he can't wait to talk the whole night. Yeah, yeah. He's basically, like, frothing at the mouth, ready to, like, get it all off his chest. Like, do you ever, like... I, I, in my worst moments when I'm drunk, I feel like I'm this when someone's telling a story and I'm just there going, I want to tell my yeah, story. Yeah, you're trying to butt in and cut or across. Or it's like, it. hey, oh, I want to show you my YouTube video. My yeah, YouTube video yeah. is better than your one. That's what Dusty Rhodes here is. The <laughs> That's whole exactly night. what this is. Look, Tony Schiavone just wants to show you the funny thing is of his friend falling down the stairs. Like, just let him do it. Like, come on. We have this thing now, which is a theme throughout the night because it's WCW versus NWO. Unity, brother. Gotta have the unity. And how do you show unity? 
Look, Show the lads who didn't get booked tonight yeah. in the crowd looking surly. There's a lot of them as well. There is a lot of guys that didn't get booked or just sat there watching the show. He looks silly. I think at the time had a roster of around 60 wrestlers. Jesus. Jericho wrote in his book that just the way was, this is how ridiculous WCW was. He, at, like, it was dysfunctional when it was going bad, but it was just as dysfunctional when it was successful. Right. Around this time, 97, 98, Jericho said they would bring everyone to tapings. Everyone. Everyone. Why? Top to bottom, just in case. Oh, Jesus. That's There'd be ridiculous. more guys backstage than there would be out on the cart. Because, like, I mean, you know, for the most part, if you didn't have an NWO shirt, getting TV time was pretty fucking precious. Yeah. And if you did have one, chances are you'd be standing, smiling, and nodding as Kevin Nash swayed back and forth with a pair of sunglasses, <laughs> trying to hide the six beers he fucking slammed into himself. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just bloated. So you see, a, the most of the audience, it's not papered, but most of the audience tonight is disgruntled non-booked wrestlers. Yeah, that's true. There's Just loads of them. Greg Valentine and Rey Mysterio. There's and so many of them in masks Booker as well. Booker T! Yeah, Booker T looked amazing in 2000. Obviously, he's not reached anywhere near that point yet, has he? Him and his brother were fucking doing great. Well, because that's the only thing I've seen of Booker T in WCW is what we watched at Bash at the Beach. When he uh, won the World Belt. So I was looking for yeah, so I was looking forward to seeing him here, but... Uh, no, he's just going to sit there and watch it with us, I guess. That really is Booker T's the equivalent of going from the side of the mob car with John Cena to winning the belt <laughs> off. And Booker T goes from being in the crowd <laughs> to winning the world title. Opening contest tonight, and fuck me, I was I hadn't seen this pay-per-view in a while. I was wondering if I was going to have a good time or not. And as soon as I saw this, I'm like, ah. Yeah, this would be good. This is where you've been. Cruiserweight title on the line. Dean Malenko taking on the champion, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, thank you for voting. Yeah, no, this is a real treat. Because we did Heroes of Wrestling recently and we didn't have a good time. Thank you for voting for Stargate. Yeah, no, it's a, a nice little reprieve from Misery Wrestling. We're told off the bat, as these two gentlemen lock up for tonight, that Kevin Nash has no-showed. We are told that, yeah. And then we are told it about another 18 times throughout the pay-per-view. NWO sent out a press release saying that Kevin Nash would not be there tonight. Why? Well, mate, you know, he only makes the big shows. If this is Starcade. This is their WrestleMania, yeah. right? And he's just not going to show up. Sorry, John Cena it... didn't feel like showing up to WrestleMania. Sorry, do we actually have a, an explanation? or Do you want to know now or later when his bit, his bit is? Oh, yeah, we'll do it later. So, uh, and it's kind of annoying as well because throughout this match, I think it was one thing I, I think you seemed quite frustrated with was their insistence on talking about other shit Oh yeah, yeah nothing the, to do with this it. match. Like Di Malenko and Eddie Guerrero, I mean, these you two young fucking, guys. You think JBL and Cole are bad? Yeah, no, seriously, they're giving it their all. They're putting on this incredible technical display, and the guys are just yammering on about where they think Kevin Nash might be and why he's not here tonight. It's so infuriating. Yeah, because like uh, irritating. I've never seen these guys square off against each other before. I don't really ever see them teaming together. So um, this was absolutely astonishing for me. I didn't realize they could work together this well. Mm. I'd always heard stories, but yeah. and Dean Malenko as well. He looks really fucking compared to how he looks in two thousand when it comes to WWF he looks young as hell here well, right? I think I mean you know three years is a lifetime in pro wrestling it is honest, yeah seriously you know? and uh, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero as much as we're enjoying them currently where we are on the, the timeline on the podcast uh, right here you can tell they just have that freedom to kick it into that higher gear there's not yeah. the constraint of of the WWF overarching style or whatever yeah they can and do they, whatever they want they cut loose and these guys look fucking incredible incredibly fast technical brilliant offence throughout this I was just hyped throughout the whole thing uh, just great intensity and what's great as well 
is that there's so many times I used to watch a lot of WCW Nitro and I used to get very frustrated because it'd be like, oh, Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho. And they'll put on a clinic yeah. and the crowd is just sitting on their hands wondering where that free beer is. <laughs> and here tonight at this big show, because of that great build, you have a, a, an arena full of real fans. Yeah, that's true. You can tell as well because usually it was like all the laissez-faire NWO fans who would just come in, wear the shirt and get drunk and be abusive. It's it's more fifty fifty. That's true. Yeah, compared to the Bash at the Beach crowd, for instance, this guy, this is like actually genuine wrestling. These fans are the WCW fans. Yeah, basically. they're actually enjoying it and cheering at the right. They point do exist. Them. Yeah, we found them. We actually found them. They're over here. Someone called Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Malenko in control for most of this uh, early on. He reverses a springboard Hearn Karana into a powerbomb. Oh man, it looks horrific. And with these powerbombs, we get a lot of them in this match. You can tell that WCW math, a little bit smaller, a lot stiffer, mic'd oh, up differently. Oh, way stiffer. Sounds like they're hitting concrete in this yeah. thing. And Malenko is just so stout and full of power. Like He absolutely destroys Guerrero every time he picks him up. It's, yeah. Everything he does looks brutal. Incredibly like quick counters as well. Both guys gaining the edge at different points. What quite is quite irritating is that the crowd are reacting to these massive spots. But because the announcers are clearly have the guys in the headsets tell them, talk about Nash, talk about Sting, talk about Hogan. You've got massive moves with massive reactions. Yeah. And the announcers ignoring them and just continue to talk yeah, about them. Yeah, just talking about whatever they feel like. Now say what you will about Cole and Lawler and JBL. But if a massive move happens, they'll shut the fuck up and go, they'll all right, acknowledge it. a massive move happens. Yeah. So this is pretty fucking shit commentary. Guerrero is amazing as a heel. Like as a cowardly Oh, he's so slimy, isn't he? Because you know that he's good enough and he can beat the guy and then he'll like turn around and run away at one point. Or when he gets on his hands and knees, he's begging it off. Like, absolutely brilliant. Nash is too sweet. Well, Nash is not here. Tony Schiavone informs us. (sighs) That's a good Good reminder. First 50 minutes of the pay-per-view, he managed to come up with that gem, like, you know? Uh, Mix of ground and flying spots. Amazing, like, hybrid of the two things that these guys do well. Uh, Eddie Guerrero kissing Dean Malenko's boots at one point, begging yeah. off. Fucking amazing. Absolute coward. And then he just gets drop kicked right in the face by Dean it's Malenko. so sore. Malenko's gimmick at the time was the Iceman. Right. Freeze! Like Chuck <laughs> the Iceman Liddell. <laughs> he, he's got this kind of like remorseless kind of character. Yeah. As of the idea of like Guerrero doing the whole like, oh no baby, and just gets kicked right in the face. Yeah, he looks like a, a cold-hearted killer. Works better than the Ladyman gimmick that he's given in... Uh... Yeah, much better. I prefer this Dean Malenko yeah. tenfold. Prefer to Ladies Man Dean Malenko by, by a considerable margin. Eddie Guerrero works over the leg, uses amazing offense, drop kicks the steps into the leg as well. Fucking amazing. Cut to Ultimo Dragon. He looks sad. He does. He looks really unhappy. Cut to Rey Mysterio. He does a smile, but you tell he's actually sad. Well, because they're all thinking like, oh, we could have been challenging for that belt. Oh! That's that's our division that we're watching here. I'd like to have a go. (laughs) Clearly the WCW pre-show Battle Royal was not happening Yeah, exactly. Another sick powerbomb by Eddie Guerrero. Fucking Dean Malenko with an amazing wheelbarrow reversal. Eddie Guerrero gets him up for a... uh, for an electric chair, Dean Malenko rolls yeah. through, picks him up, drops him on his fucking Outstanding. back. Outstanding. Matches like this, I legit buy Dean Malenko's a thousand holes gimmick. Yeah, no, I, I could believe that. 
because like, he, he doesn't do up. the same move twice, I don't think. Yeah, it's amazing. Eddie Guerrero hits a top rope drop kick to the knee, and then he delivers the frog splash onto the knee. I love that, and I just love that. That's a real WCW thing, the kind of the old style of isolating the body parts. Well, it's like he worked the knee the entire match, and yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things, one of my favorite bits of psychology in a match when you keep working a body part and then you know attacking it, and you finally go for the move that will pop. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was thinking like Eddie doesn't do a submission on the leg at all, does he? Like I was thinking, well, what? Why is he? Mate, he's gonna put him in the lasso from El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> that is the shittiest finisher ever I was thinking what, what, why is he going for the legs so much then but then he really does the frog splash onto the knee like Brilliant. absolutely awesome you never see them targeting a the body part with like a diving attack like no that. except you have people like fucking Alberto Del Rio work the neck the whole match and put in his cross arm breaker smart that makes sense or then Jack Swagger grab his ankle lock and then work him over with a wrist lock later on <laughs> in the match Amazing match. Eddie Guerrero wins. Excellent. He going to the pay window, baby. Dusty <laughs> Rose. Dirty fucking piece. <laughs> um, I love this. It was yeah. incredible. Outstanding match. I bought into it so quickly as well. Like, I mean, I knew nothing about the build because like you say, you get no packages and the commentators weren't going to tell us anything about it. So You know, I'm quite precious with my... You know, like if, I, if the crowd's not right and the announcer's not right, yeah. I can't enjoy it. I still loved it. Yeah, I knew nothing about it or what to expect, but I totally bought into, like, I really sat there thinking, like, oh, come on, Dean, you can turn this around. I really wanted Malenko to win. Yeah, go um, out of your way to see this one, folks. When people say the WCW Cruiserweight style, it's not just a spot fest and a bunch of flips. No, it's not. It's amazing wrestling. It's, it's amazing psychology-driven, you know, it's fucking Because there wasn't brilliant. that much high-flying in this or flips. No, anytime someone jumped off the top rope, it was for a purpose. And yeah. Every, it flowed amazingly. It it was great. So yeah, I'm going to check out a few more of their matches now, I think, because that was an amazing Check pairing. those guys out in ECW, man. That's fucking oh, great stuff from these two. Scott Hall making his way out. What is he wearing? I love how he looks like such a greasy fucking He's bastard. He's got a long black jumper and some jeans on. He just looks his so dirty. His boots tucked in his yeah. yeah. You're a wrestler. Come on. I fucking love Scott Hall circa this time yeah he is such he, he, he just gets it like he just he's a complete coward He's he looks so cool though at the same time yeah he's a greasy fucking bastard he's such he's just a character like. he is very over the top and like exact, like yeah he can go from being all cool and like slick and everything one minute but then the second the good guy will get the advantage or whatever you notice him like you know start shaking and like bouncing around whenever he gets hit it's possible to pull off a character and a gimmick and a, and a look and a style without having you know a mask or a silly costume because Hall is like Plain trunks and tights. Yeah. Everything he does is just like little fucking nuances and things he does and the toothpick and the ponytail. But it makes him into a proper villain and you love seeing it because he's so ridiculous when he get, takes offense and like bounces all over the place. You love seeing him get beat up so yeah. it's the ideal thing for a villain. It's great to see Scott here like kind of when he was, I don't say he wasn't at his peak here but this was before he kind of got into like depressing Scott Hall you know coming out with a fucking glass of whiskey on live TV or being drunk and press slammed into the pool like or uh, what was the one you talked about before the abdominal stretch <laughs> you, have you, I don't think you've talked about this on the podcast can you just explain it it's Hall and Nash in a tag match I think and uh, it's Hall basically has a man in an abdominal stretch and he's putting the hand down you think he's grabbing for the rope to get the illegal leverage because yeah. he's a heel but no someone just passes him a beer <laughs> has a frosty beverage sipping in the middle of a hold yeah see Jeez. the sad thing about Scott Hall is the gimmick the look the promos everything it only works if he looks like this yeah that's true if he has got a fucking fat belly or looks a bit like just tired yeah 
it doesn't work because you have to buy him as this cool badass cat and it was great seeing him at the Hall of Fame this year when he uh, came back looking yeah. all clean and badass again with his uh, you know his proper hair and looking clean and just yeah, he, he looked his age but he didn't look fucking tragic it like, looked like he'd aged well for once he was in TNA as one of the tag team champions enough said but yeah Scott Hall out here basically here to provide some much needed filler after uh, Kevin Nash decided not to show up tonight it was meant to be the Battle of the Giants. Tonight, most of the matches are NWO versus WCW. It was going to be the Giant of the WCW, which was Paul Weiss, taking on the Giant of the NWO, Big Sexy Kevin Nash. Yeah. What happened? Right. Do you want to know what he said happened, what was reported he said happened, or what actually happened? Yeah, give it me in that order. <laughs> All right. What was reported that happened was that apparently he claimed that there was a heart attack scare and he just couldn't come to the show. Right. That was, I remember seeing that specifically. That's serious, though. Like, oh shit, there was something wrong. Now, then later, I think it was in the death of WCW, that book, great book, by the way, they said, they said that he told them that he was lifting bags to go into his car, didn't realize that his weights were in one of the bags, picked it up, and hurt himself. <laughs> which meant no Starcade for you. Right, okay. What actually happened is he didn't show. Because conveniently, Kevin Nash, I think, was supposed to lose this match. For, that's it. He just didn't turn up because he didn't want to do the job. More, I mean, I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but all I can say is... That's believable, though. No one, no one made him show up. And this wouldn't have happened in any other company. That's true, yeah. He's, just not, he's not here. So he took his he ball and he here. went home. He's not, and the fact that a man, like one of the highest... He got paid... So fucking much money. Yeah. Like, they just threw money at these guys, him and Hall. Like, apparently, they'd already signed their contracts, right? Yeah. And they, WWF, were like, didn't know that they already signed them. I think they were going to try and do some negotiations. And once Bischoff heard about this, he just gave them, like, 200 grand each more. Just to sweeten the deal. Even though they'd already signed the contracts! Fucking hell. That's ludicrous. It's in, they just... Money doesn't mean anything to them, does it? I when people, start, it's hard sometimes for new fans to understand the bile and the hatred towards Kevin Nash. Now, for all his failings, I am a, I am still kind of a Kevin Nash fan because I kind of like the cynical "fuck you" attitude at times. Yeah, and that makes me a bad person. I know, <laughs> but Jesus, seriously, no one else would get away with that kind of shit. Not even Hogan would do that. Shame on WCW for doing such bullshit like that and just throwing money away. So instead of the advertised match, you can have a segment there where Scott Hall comes out, does the old survey where he tries to see if it's WCW fans or MWO fans, and then he says, there's no Nash tonight. He doesn't even explain or offer to wrestle himself. No. Like, there's no makeup match. No, he's just saying that Nash isn't here. Now again, That's it. if Nash had a legitimate injury... Why not stick Hall out there? He's not wrestling tonight. Yeah. He's his tag team partner. Give him something to do. There you go. Can't do that. No. Because again, there's problems and there's creative control. Yeah, Hall now, doesn't want to go over, uh, put Hall, Big Show over. And I love Hall, but Hall is basically, again, it'll be like, well, he's not going to go out and wrestle because he's not going to go and lose in an unannounced, unadvertised oh, match. such a headache. Like, so this, this is what this puts is me what off WCW. WCW. Every time I like, you know, have to watch it, you have to explain something to me. It's like, yeah, there's all this red tape, and no, he can't go in that match because he won't do this. Or... I, don't know, I don't want to think like it's you kind of watching the show and me kind of pulling your side going, by the way. Yeah. But you could tell when you were watching this, it's like, wait, well, why? it stinks. Like, it's, something's clearly up. Like, Nash isn't here, and they're going 
going on about it so much, I thought, I, at this point, I was thinking, oh, this is clearly a work because the commentators won't stop talking about it. So they must have a big explanation planned and Scott Hall's going to come out and tell us. He just comes out and says, no, Nash. And then Big and Show. And it is up. WrestleMania. Let's oh, just sorry. keep that in mind. And he calls the giant Frankengoof. <laughs> Spe- speaking of which, the giant. That is the worst name I think I've ever heard for a wrestler. The noun. Seriously. That, that's up there with the goon. You might just, just call him... The giant. You might just call him big. Yeah, it's like, just knock off the Andre and there you go. You've got yourself a proper gimmick there. The giant. You see him coming out here? Big haggis, Paul White. <laughs> he fucking snug in that singlet. Oh my God, the size of him here. He says he's patient and he will be in the wrestling industry a long time. Too long, mate. Here we are nearly 20 years later, mate. You're probably right, mate. Show looks fucking stoned. He does. No, the look on his face. He actually... um, You know, he reminded me of so much here. Genuinely, not just from appearance, but because of the way he talks and the slow sort of, like, can't quite wrestle with my words. Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. Oh, my God. That's exactly like when they cut to, like, an interview with Ricky, whatever, he just said, like, listen, uh, Hall, I just, you know, you can't come around here saying that kind of thing, man. That's bullshit or whatever. Like, just, I'm going to get you, Nash. Make my words. <laughs> I fucking have told us so. <laughs> yeah, not, uh, not great. I will say, though. Hall's selling for the choke slam and taking the press slam where he's like oh my jiggling God. all around. That's exactly what I mean. He's just a big fucking pantomime villain and it's brilliant. He's like a marionette. He's like, Hall reacts, he sells like my toys would sell. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, show goes for the choke slam but decides instead on doing the jackknife powerbomb. Really cool spot, but again, this is something for a Nitro, not a pay-per-view. And you'll see tonight, WCW just doesn't get the concept of pay-per-view. Yeah. For them, building up to the next night on Nitro or whenever is fine. There's never a sense of finality, which is suck for your, sucks for your big show of the year. Seeing the, the Giant do the, the powerbomb there, that reminded me, I, I thought it was this one, but it's not, obviously. Was there something where, like, was it Nash that tried to do it on Nash, the Giant and yeah. nearly fucking broke his neck or whatever? Later in this feud, Nash... Uh, Nash did the, the jackknife on Big Show. Now, Nash claims that he was essentially forced to do it. Because right. he knew he couldn't do it. Way too big. Because I think the issue of powerbombing someone like Big Show, it's not getting him up, but it's the velocity with which he'll come down because he's so heavy. Well, not only that, but I just don't think like you can fold him up so that he's no, he manageable like, in that way. He's simply too big. <laughs> it's really, and you, you, Obviously, it's been... I mean, that was someone I saw in Ebam's world back in the fucking day, like yeah. Nash trying to powerbomb Big Show. It's lands, hideous. Lands right in his fucking head, and Nash apparently, I think he tore us Something when he did it. Ugh. So both of the lads killed themselves for a move that looked like shit. Looked awful. So we get another bit of uh, get another bit of destiny talk from Dusty. Not a destiny. Thermothy of destiny, baby. <laughs> he loves his destiny. Survey says destiny. Destiny, a new fragrance from the American dream. <laughs> Dusty Road, smell like a common man, daddy. <laughs> Coming up next, it's the NWO taking on the WCW in six-man tag team action. Macho Man Randy Savage and Virgil and Scott Norton. Uh... Virgil and Scott Norton, who for the purposes of tonight I have dubbed Bebop and Rocksteady. (laughs) Taking on possibly the thickest team I've ever seen. Yeah, that's true enough. The Steiner Brothers. And Big Bubba Rogers, a.k.a. Ray Trailer, a.k.a. The Big Boss Man. Now those are some dense individuals, all three of them. Mate, he looks like he's been Big Boss Man behaving fucking hungrily at the he buffet. He looks rubbish here. And I'm not saying that because of his huge. size. Not because of his size, just because of his ring attire. Well, he's, he's got, got a, a black t-shirt tucked into his pants. He's got Vince McMahon's ring gear. The, yeah, the that's exactly jumper. what it is. And he just looks weird. And he's got leather pants as well. Yeah, no, he, he, he does not look cool here. No, he doesn't. He looks like a complete jabron. 
Sorry. Steiners and uh, Big Bubba are being managed by the million dollar man Teddy DiBiase, who yeah. was originally brought in as revealed as how the NWO had all their money. It was oh, he was him. He was backing it. Yeah, and then he decided to leave and help kill what he created in the NWO by aligning with the Steiners, who were big kind of flag bearers for WCW. Uh, Big Bubba had been in the NWO and he was cast out along with a couple of other guys before right. this, so he's like looking for revenge. And the idea is like the lone wolves are kind of packing together. To take on it, yeah, I mean, this just shows you what's wrong with the NWO. Macho Man Randy Savage tonight is in a six man tag with Virgil and Scott Norton. Feature this man. Yeah, he could be doing much, much better than this. It's fucking Macho It's like, Randy Savage. To see Macho Man come out with Liz. Speaking of which, what have they done to Miss Elizabeth? She looks like Tina Turner. It's sad. To it's see. really sad. Like she was all sweet and like it was always, hey, Miss Elizabeth. Heel Liz. Yeah, no thanks. No, that's just weird. No, it it's it, weird. Just them cramming in a WWF thing for no yeah. reason. Uh, the B team is the definition of like the NWO's failings. Like once you're given Virgil a fucking NWO shirt. Yeah. Apparently, I think I may mention this one before. Like Godfather said that he had a contract apparently. It was either Godfather or Ron Simmons. If some for the Nation of Domination had a had a contract lined up to go into WCW to be like kind of a, a heavy hitting black dude. Right. Because uh, I don't think they had any black members at the time. And apparently Virgil was like, I'll do it for like a hundred grand less. So he undercut them and got the contract. And pissed it away. Virgil come to the ring fucking selling autographs. And they come out to the really cheap version of the... Uh, yeah. The NWO Juniors theme. <laughs> World Order. It's so cheap. It's like, and if you're calling yourselves the B team. It's basically like they're, they're literally saying, like, these guys aren't the best that we've got in the NWO, but just give them a shot. We'll give them a little bit of the branding. It is the NWO Juniors. Like, we get to see Macho Man. It's, yeah, but what's Macho Man doing with them? The very the fact that the NWO, who's meant to be this elite group, has a sub faction called the B team. That is, like, hypocritical. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That is like the corporation having a sub-faction called the Working Guys. Yeah. It's like, well, like Steve Regal and Test or something like we're that. We're the elites, but we're going to have a little section of just jabronis and jobbers on our team as well, just to sort of balance it out. They were basically made for the purposes of giving the likes of Flair, Benoit, Guerrero, the actual WCW wrestlers who were getting no credibility. They can go over on someone. They can someone go over on yeah. someone. Because fuck me, Hogan ain't taking the pin. And no. Nash won't show up to take the pin. <laughs> You uh, straight away ruined this match for me. Thanks. I couldn't watch it without laughing. I don't know if you noticed when we were watching it together, but I was laughing like every two or three minutes. Just because at the very start of this match, you went, your referee tonight, Homer Simpson. Oh, shit, uh, yeah! And it's the most unusual looking referee I've ever seen. And just literally every time he was on screen, because he was always flapping his arms around really fast. Every time he was there, I just couldn't stop laughing. You fucking killed me he with that. He looked exactly like Homer Simpson or former President Gerald Ford. Like... <laughs> Uh, the WCW team, though, fucking King of Trios 2K14, am I right? Like, I, I mean, it's, it's such a dream team. Steiners yeah, and Bubba. That's like. true. You wouldn't recognize Scott Steiner. No, he's changed so much over the years. Him and Scott look like 1990s UK gladiators. Yeah, they don't look like actual WWF, w- WCW wrestlers. They're like. mismatched boots and their silver weight belts. Oh, like. fuck off, yeah. They look S- cheap. Poundland wrestlers. Like, <laughs> he's going to come with a chainsaw and a shotgun or something. A cobra. Like. You get typical WCW main event kind of player shit here with three minutes of stalling after start. Yeah. Macho Man takes a good five minutes to actually come to the ring. He just twiddles around. So much just pissing about and not doing mm-hmm. anything. Scott Steiner with the fucking rough suplexes. Uh, even on Randy. Butterfly suplex, press slam to Randy. He, these lads are Not fucking safe. 
British Bulldogs and the Steiners are the two kind of I put Legion of Doom in there maybe yeah but I think it's just because the moves that the guys do and the fact that they're stiff as well makes them nightmares to deal with yeah they're so dangerous looking it just really feels horrible watching it fucking Ray Trailer, don't stand so close to the Steiners you look fatter like I mean yeah he looks like a house here stiff hoss like action from all six men Rick Steiner and Norton Jesus Christ Rick just fucking sandbags them throws them all over the place Bossman then gets tagged in like a house of pancakes on fire. Yeah, and we get a, a potential grunt of the night here. It's not the grunt of the night. So but it's, it's a just, grunt. It's a grunt. It's a uh, boss man when he slams Virgil. Um, uh, just pops him down with a big old slam and a... Yes! Yeah! Noise, so a big fan of boss man grunts. He's a proper visceral. He does his little three way dance as well. He does the charging attack. He's a little Mario. Oh, I miss Virtual then gets tagged in. Holy shit. You know the way in six man tags when you get the dastardly heel and work him over for six minutes? Yeah. Gee, Virgil gets victimized. Scott, Ray, Rick, they just tag in and out and hit him with the hardest, stiffest shit they have. Makes no sense. You've got the littlest guy on the heel team getting absolutely picked apart by the three big, massive good guys. Like... It's almost sympathetic, like you know, you shouldn't be putting the little tiny bad guy in this position. There comes a point because he's wearing his shirt and they all—they've all, all pulled out—and he just fucking collapses into the corner. Tags in Scott. Scott does like two moves and then he tags Virgil yeah, back, back in. in again, so they can pull his pants down this time. Fucking hell! And then we get a hot tie to Rick. Clears house. Jesus Christ! Stiff. Where, where was this on the Nando scale? Because this was fucking. He cleared house. This was sort of like if you'd left the Nando's sauce in the freezer. Not to say it was cold, but just that it's gone solid mm. and it's all solidified because it's really fucking stiff and hard. And if someone tried to clothesline you with the bottle, it would kill you kind of thing. But it's still very hot as well. Very hot. Well, yeah, you thaw it and then it's still fucking spicy. Hot, stiff and cold-hearted. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> we get a move which I had to have a brief consultancy period with Adam to name. I came up with the Doomsday DDT device. Yeah, that was a peculiar move. Fucking Virgil goes up on the shoulders of Rick and Scott DDTs him off the top rope. Amazing looking. Then he gets the top rope Frankensteiner after that. Amazing looking. Glad you undercut him by a hundred grand now, Virgil. <laughs> I'm just saying, leave Take, him alone! Taking these kind of bumps. I'm just saying, right, I know that Virgil is the fucking... He is the greasiest, most carny motherfucker out there selling his autographs in fucking men's restrooms or wherever it is he does it these yeah. days. Stealing your lunch and selling it back to you for $10 or whatever the fuck is he does. Are you going to finish that? Like, you know, kind of that shit. But here I still felt sorry for him. Yeah, well, he, he got the absolute piss knocked out of him. And that is saying something. Yeah, for Virgil. I felt bad for Virgil. Let yeah. it be said. Mate, you could have put Triple H in this position and people would have felt bad for him. Like anyone getting this much offense from the Steiner brothers. It's yeah. horrible. You don't want to see that. Another electric chair drop, and then the Macho Man elbow to Scott Steiner. Fucking NWO wins. It yeah. was a bit of a clusterfuck and really hard to watch at points, but I enjoyed this as kind of an all-out zany mad brawl. It was fun, yeah, but it was it was all over the shop. It was really yeah. messy. Um, Billy would not have liked this with the legal man syndrome at oh times. Oh, God, no, it was all over the place. And then, yeah, they spent ages and ages beating up Virgil, and then, like, one elbow drop from Macho Man, that's it. Over. Yeah. Really weird. 
really strange abrupt finish so it was kind of one of these things that like Macho Man had to go over again yeah and he he went over on the Steiner brother like the the strong member of the team again a little bit more of that creative control coming in yeah he could have beat uh, Big Boss Man there but uh, obviously he wanted to beat someone more important and here you go as well this is an issue right this is meant to be building it the night the NWO finally gets their comeuppance and straight off the bat in a six man tag the guys who banded together on you know like this fucking ragtag underdog team yeah. They lose clean. Just like that. It's not even like they, you know... Like seem, losing seem, clean in a six-man, that's ridiculous. It's not that's even built. one of these things where you can watch it and sort of go like, oh, they lost, but, you know, they put up a hell of a fight or whatever, they looked good. It's just, they lost, and it sort of felt like they were cheated or something. It, just, it happened out of nowhere. <laughs> it's kind of funny seeing Virgil be, like, stretched away with, like, an IV, like, and his music yeah, is playing, winning. like... Well, no, the music that's playing and it is um, Macho Man's music. be on my own in this but I think that's the stupidest fucking thing ever the fact that they had their own versions with their own sound effects yeah and like Macho Man has his with the oh yeah and Hogan has one with a big laugh in it Hogan Hogan had his one as well where he went the greatest icon in wrestling today so gimmicky and uh, Eric Bischoff said we are in control (laughs) we 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 are in we 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 are in Austin Uh, uh, Austin it's really gimmicky and just feels like they've just made one I'd rather they all had the one generic theme than adding these little shitty half-arsed well you know what NWO theme must be one of the greatest themes in the history of wrestling because watching WCW here and during Nitro at the time is like listening to that fucking song on repeat because they would take 20 minutes to come to the ring Stand and smile, then take 20 minutes to leave. They'd always win. They'd always have full entrances. Yeah. They, their music plays all, all the, time. the time, even tonight. So, yeah, not a destiny. Mean Gene interviews J.J. Dillon, the other double J. It's Roger Ebert stood there, like, <laughs> who is this? He's the uh, former manager of the Four Horsemen. Right. He worked in the uh, office for WWF and he was actually like in the office for WCW at the time. So. Oh, I've, I've heard about him. He was actually like a, a legit manager as well for them, wasn't yes. he? Like, he sorted all their shit out and helped them get around. Yeah, he was actually like a shoot manager. Like a Paul Ellering. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Also, Mick Foley didn't like him in his book, but you're not meant to know that anymore. <laughs> Seriously, Foley buries him in his really? book. Really? It's really funny. It's like to see Foley bury someone in a book. It's kind of like, a, now I'm not saying he's shit. But here's why he is shit. I can't imagine Mick Foley saying something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, he, he, I don't think he got... A, Foley, I think, kind of blamed him for not getting a job in WWF, like, ignoring his yeah. his tapes and stuff. But, uh, I like JJ. He's pretty good. Discusses the referee issue. Basically, they're like, oh, we need to have a non-crooked ref for tonight. So they did a random drawing, and they picked the one crooked ref, which is referee Nick Patrick. Yeah. That crook. Who once fought Chris Jericho. Really? Yeah. Jericho versus Patrick. Yeah, check that one out on the fucking network. Yeah. <laughs> it was at this point I realised what I'm starting to see is one of my biggest problems with WCW compared to WWF. And this is only from the very limited sample section I've seen, mm-hmm. but it's just the talking. Like, in WWF, when you're trying to get two guys to do a promo and get something over, they at least would do, like, big sentences and then end on a big dramatic point so the crowd can cheer. These guys just feel like they're just talking and talking. It feels like the, the trade negotiations in Star Wars Episode One or something. Like, it just goes on. Mean Gene's sort of like, they're no match for Droidicas. Uh, I don't want to say, like, I've I'm, I'm uh, got a short attention span and I'm a simpleton or anything, but, like, come on, get to the action. It's wrestling. I- what they said here could have been said... In 10 seconds. Easily. And you could have had Tony Schiavone turn and go, Nick Patrick's the referee, Night of Destiny. 
<laughs> that is all they need to say. It wouldn't bother me so much if it wasn't the fact that throughout all the matches, that's all you're getting from the commentators is you're not getting them calling the action, you're getting them talking. It's just constant talking. They're calling about it anything. like Nitro, where like if you're changing the channel during Nitro, coming back, getting recaps yeah. and updates. Mate, yeah, you've got my fucking forty dollars or whatever. I'm sat down. We're meant to be watching this. My in one shoes go. are off. Yeah, don't have to keep telling me what's going on. It's boring. Coming up next. The encounter of all encounters. Oh, fuck me. The rookie, the upstart, the phenom, Bill Goldberg. Never mind that shit. Here comes Mongo. Mongo. First ever time I've actually seen a proper Mongo match. I've only ever heard the legends and seen clips here and there. Steve Mango McMichael. Straight off the bat, fat Bo Dallas is what he looks like. Or maybe even a fat Adam Rose. He's got a sort of a. No, a the, mix of I like the, the fat Bo Dallas uh, motif there because I, on the couple that came up with Diabotes. Ah. To uh, kind of supplement that. I thought you were going to say Monbo or something like that, but. <laughs> Bogers. <laughs> Bobo Goldberg is very young here. Like, he's a, he is a young, fresh rookie out of the power plant. Oh, he's new here, is he's he? He's relatively not a big deal new. Yet. He's, okay. not, he's just starting up the, uh, the whole undefeated streak. He had been squashing people, but we are at the point where we're still kind of don't know much about him, don't know what he can and can't do, okay. testing the limits. And Mongo is kind of, yeah, the next big stepping stone, so to right. speak. Right, okay. Mongo can't wrestle. Nope. No, he can't. Now, he's not a wrestler, all right, but they did put him in a position where he was wrestling a lot. What is he if he's not a wrestler? He is a former NFL player. And actually, right. in terms of NFL people who've been aligned with w with wrestling in general, WCW or WWF, Mongo is by far the most successful, most prolific. Right, okay. Like, he came in as an announcer originally, and that was viewed as a big deal because he was viewed as being a very big sports personality. Now, he was we, famous before WCW. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was in the Super Bowl loads. Right. Uh, he was... <laughs> I've got American wrestling fans going to be like, he was in the Super Bowl <laughs> He appeared on Super Bowl. He, he, he scored loads of goals. He was a contestant on Super Bowl. <laughs> he took that ball and... Uh, the he, things he did with it. He bloody scored a point, didn't he? He did. He won the match. He won the big match. He got the pin. He got the one, two, three <laughs> against Germany <laughs> in the World Cup series. This is what happens when we try and talk about American football with Billy not around. I know he's, he's probably banging his head against the wall <laughs> at the moment. But yeah, no, he, he was a, he was a, you know Super Bowl dude, Hall of Famer, a player for the Chicago Bears, right. which were a very big team as well. So he was also in the Four Horsemen. He was one of the Horsemen. Yeah, which is one of the most legendary stables of all time. Yeah. So, you know, Anderson, Blanchard, Wyndham, Luger, Mongo? <laughs> Who dropped out at the time that they needed to replace him with Mongo? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, like, it was the period of flux. Jeff Jarrett, I think, was in, was in the course uh, of the time. Oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, you know what? The sad fact is you can make up probably like two horsemen's worth of horsemen factions with just the shit ones. Oh, I didn't realise it was like that. I thought it was just, I thought they were like the shield. It was just the four horsemen. no. And no. Sadly ah. not. So Mongo here, coming out to the awesome horse music as well. Two Hoss-type Pokemon facing off. Yeah. And you know what? I'm a man who's recent, in recent months has become a big fan of this big big burly fuckers knocking the fuck out of each other thing. It's a good style, yeah. We're getting that now with, uh, with Rusev and, Rusev, and yeah. Bo, uh, sorry, Big E and the things like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm a fan of this, but... Uh, here, however. We get fighting. 
Bad fighting. Bad fighting. Mongo does not want to get hurt. This match has the worst spear of all time in it, I'd say. Yep. Goldberg just does a spear into him, and then Mongo sort of like a second later decides to fall over, and he just landed a heap, and it's hideous. Dusty goes on a fucking tear about football. Like, yeah. just out of nowhere. It's like, it's in the middle, they're doing a fucking sequence, they brought a table out, they're doing all this stuff, and then Dusty's like, you know, thumb down at Texas is where they play real football. No, neither of these guys are from Texas. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's going real football, <laughs> Danny. You want to talk about football? I like my football, baby. <laughs> NFL, baby. He's just, you know what? Damn it, Dusty. I like, even though we know nothing about football, I like... When we're watching WWF, if Jim Ross is like, yep. he was a, an all-backer or an all-American, I like knowing that because it's, I don't know what it means. But I assume, <laughs> it sounds impressive, doesn't I it? I assume there was a ceremony and he got a, he got a bonnet or, <laughs> or a certificate of completion. So I know it makes him legitimate. I don't want to hear fucking Dusty Rose give me his fucking, his, his picks for the playoffs, whatever the fuck it is he's doing. <laughs> kind of disappointed with this because I was hoping to show you a little bit of a Goldberg squash. Yeah, it's not a squash. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of the, the Kevin Sullivan booked, you know, 1998, up until he wins the world belt, killing everyone. Like, yeah. Goldberg and Raven is one of my favourite matches. Goldberg and Hogan is one of my favourite matches. Like, it's just great stuff. Really it just wild, shows everyone. that, yeah, he can't fucking wrestle a scientific match or whatever. When you built up a guy as a force in nature, you know, it's just, you'll never see it anymore. Right back. Right back. Right back rules. Goldberg rules. Like, yeah, Goldberg's <laughs> not going to be in a fucking tag team with Mr. Perfect <laughs> called the Perfect Spear or whatever the Ugh, fuck it is. The like, horrible mashup of the two things. Yeah, together. like, um, Goldberg is built to be a killer, but like here, it's like he has to sell. He has to take moves. We get that spear you talked about. Yeah. Which is basically like, it looked like Mongo had dropped a tray of food and he went to grab it. Like, Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because it is actually a very bland, unseasoned match. Mm. Like, it's just, There's no flavour to it no, whatsoever at all. all. No salt and pepper. No. Goldberg drop kicks Mongo on points and Mongo just kind of flails around a bit over the top rope. Selling is awful. It was like a donkey drop kicking a bag of fucking potatoes. <laughs> Worst table break ever towards the end of this match. Yeah, because he punches him through it. It's just like, alright, it's a good thing Mongo is full of cheeseburgers because otherwise that table would not have broke. <laughs> he taps him. He just knocks him on the chin and Mongo falls it's through the, the table. It's the prod from Worms 2. Just to push him off the and cliff. And Mongo goes, no! Oh dear. Oh dear indeed because Mongo goes for his spike afterwards, the tombstone. Oh yeah. He picks up and collapses. Awful. Can't do anything. Like, oh, I can't juggle these things. <laughs> Goldberg gets the jackhammer. Goldberg wins. Awful. Fucking rubbish. But don't worry, Tony Schiavone reminds us, this is only chapter four in a saga that will have a lot more chapters. Uh. Yeah. Um, for, you know, again, WCW had had its moments with Goldberg, but, you know, they didn't fuck him up even early on. Yeah. But, I mean, it was what it was. At least he won. There was no screwiness. But don't be fucking making Mongo wrestle. Mongo's on the card tonight. And Rey Mysterio isn't. Sat in the crowd, yeah. Rongo's on the crowd tonight. Booker T isn't. Kidman isn't. Yeah. You know, these guys aren't booked. Fucking Ric Flair! Yeah. Where's Flair tonight? No one says his name once. Flair is just not here. He's just not there. He was the problems with Bischoff at the time. This is unacceptable. You can't run a business like this. This is no way to run a wrestling company. Uh, Adam Bibelow's wrestling nightmares. <laughs> like. You can't, though. You simply can't. Your mat is full of maggots. You're letting your staff walk all over you. <laughs> Where's it gone? Eric, 
if you don't stand up to Rick or stand up to Hulk, he's going to run you out of business. You know who your biggest competitor is right now? It's Raw! <laughs> it's just him and, and Flair, like, players sitting behind the restaurant going, I can't do it anymore! <laughs> they broke up the horsemen! You have got to step up to the plate, big boy. Alrighty, coming up next, one of my all-time favourite wrestlers. Finally get to chat about him. It's Raven! Here he comes! Is he gonna wrestle? Oh, no, he's not. No. He's not wrestling tonight. It's a shame, because Raven's another lad who got a bit of creative control. He's not wrestling, as advertised, but he actually had a proper storyline. He turned it into an actual gimmick. Like, Kevin Nash didn't come out and go like, I don't feel like wrestling tonight. But Raven actually had, you know, he comes out and he pisses the crowd off by saying he doesn't feel like it. <laughs> so funny, he like, makes it work. Raven does the gimmick where, like, he's like, I don't want to wrestle. I'll wrestle when I want to wrestle. And then was like, oh, that rotter Raven. Look at him sitting down listening to Dinosaur Jr. instead of, <laughs> do a wrestle, come on. And everyone, like, even, like, the NWO and all the guys were like, oh, he's such a, he's such a coward and a punk. He won't wrestle. And then Nash and Hogan are like, yeah. yeah, we're so cool. Like, 20-minute <laughs> promo about how badass we are. And they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Except it's a shoot. Yeah, it's for real. Raven has got his angle here where he signed his WCW contract, finally, but he has provisions. He can wrestle when he wants to, who he wants to, and how he wants to. So he's decided tonight that instead of wrestling Chris Benoit, he's going to have Saturn wrestle instead. Right. Under a Raven's Rules match. Raven Rules. Uh, the Flock, basically, I don't know if there's really any kind of Attitude Era analogies. Oddly enough, uh, WWF is the only time Raven didn't have the, a version of this stable. Right. Because he had a version of it in TNA and a version of it in ECW. It would basically be he's the kind of like the Bray Wyatt cult-like yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah. Enos has all these kind of cast, cronies. cronies, castaways, yeah. misfits. You know, you've got like Kidman, he's made out that he's like a heroin addict. Yeah, that's all I assumed was going on. You know, there. Reese, who's a big giant. It's kind of, it's, it's an interesting thing because he yeah. has a lot of cannon fodder then. Yeah, and he's got a Raven, big menagerie. And then you got Raven, you got a guy like Benoit, you want to see get to him, and he's got like a wall of goons in front of him. Yes, And in through. fucking fairness, WCW had all these wrestlers signed, and they had all these guys coming from the power plant. Hmm. Might as well get them on fucking yeah, TV. Use them. Use yeah. them. So it's Benoit versus Saturn. Raven cuts his promo saying that he will not wrestle tonight. And then uh, you got uh, Benoit cutting that promo. This. I, I didn't, first of all, I'll, I'll say this. Play it now. We didn't know that this promo was on this show. Quote the Crippler no more. I don't look at reality through any veil, nor do I see the truth through any veil. It is what it is. Things are as they are. And I am who I am. When I rest, I rest in reason. Wow. When I move, I move with passion, and there's nothing I feel more passionate about than inflicting pain on the raven. Well, he laid that out. Now, this is one of my, I'm not, not exaggerating, top five favorite promos and favorite botches of all time, <laughs> I think. Um, it's just something we, we <laughs> discovered it on like an old Botchamania ages ago, and then yeah. me and you have been obsessed with it ever since, quoting it all around the house. like. Everything is wrong with it. Like, Raven says, quote the Raven, never more. Benoit just comes out and goes, quote the Crippler, no more. No more. I don't see the reality through any veil. I don't see the truth through any veil. Through any veil. Fucking Steven Seagal. When I rest, I rest in reason. What the fuck does that mean? What are you on about? And there is one thing that I am passionate 
about the inflection <laughs> infecting pain on the raven and then just immediately straight afterwards I think is it Tony Schiavone no it's Dusty uh, is it Dusty oh yeah. yeah Dusty just on commentary straight away just goes we well, laid that out <laughs> he certainly did yeah. he certainly he did he did not mince his words honestly I think the phrase he laid that out I've used that's taken off in our in our day to day lives now, we, isn't we, it? we say it quite yeah this and, is a bullshit promo but I love it how shit it is so perfect I like uh, seeing Benoit here as the kind of because uh, he's always a heel usually in WWE yeah. when we see him but like to see him here is the kind of the plucky young face I've like, never seen Benoit in this kind of position before like yeah he had it when like 2004 when he got his title reign mm. um, but he was more main event then yeah when I knew Benoit in WWF, it was sort of like he came over and I was like, oh, you should be scared of this guy. This is a scary dude from WCW and he's like, you know, he's an unstoppable powerhouse. You, you know, he'll destroy everyone with his submission moves. But seeing him here where he's like, yeah, the young dude that's just wants Overcoming to get... Overcoming the odds. And like, he just wants to get his hands on the bad guy and he's got amazing fast offense. Yeah. And, he's got great fire. Like, yeah. He's selling like, and when he makes his comebacks, he has that real kind of fucking... Proper you know, traditional babyface kind of yeah. attitude and the babyface hair and baby everything. Babyface, as Steve Austin would say. But no, he's got that flair and that fire and he's fucking brilliant here. Saturn and, and Benoit, we had like all four articles facing off here basically. Yeah, in one night. And uh, yeah, fucking brilliant shit altogether. Intense action. The chops from these two. Oh my God, Benoit does a mean chop. And it's like, they're really like actually wrestling. He's like, you know, they're grabbing each other's arms and like actually blocking shots and he feels like they're like they're really fucking going at it, like yeah. you know. That's the that's the kind of when people say old school, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, it feels like a fight. Yeah, it feels real. Yeah, you know, these guys are actually trying to hurt each other. Definitely. Uh, it's not long before all the flocks start appearing. Billy Kidman appears with his heroin. Uh, uh, that's fucking tasteless, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, coming really. out scratching himself, bags under his eyes. That is so tasteless. Really strung out looking. I mean, like, Kidman was a clean-cut kid as well, like, yeah. and they had him, like, fucking, like, he's, like, 21 or something. Oh. Here, put on this uh, fake eyeshadow, like, yeah. Oh. He does a hell of a running moonsault off of the uh, the apron, though. Oh, the shooting star that he does. Shooting yeah. star, sorry, that was it. Oh, fucking glorious, like. Rest of the flock start appearing, Benoit kind of fights him back, but it kind of feels inevitable. Saturn gives us a springboard running moonsault out of the corner. Didn't know he was capable of that. Yeah. Insane. Unbelievable athleticism. Uh, Saturn works the neck. Some very stiff offense from him here, including a brain buster. I'm trying to think what was more irritating, though. Saturn's entrance music or Saturn's hair. He's got His toilet hair. brush hair. He looks so Lego stupid. hair. Yeah, it looks like it should clip off. It's fucking ridiculous. Oh. Cut to the crowd. We get a signing of Mortis, a.k.a. Canyon. Who is that? He's yeah. big, hideous mask. Fucking Mortal Kombat character. Seriously? Yeah. He's Generic. there to fight Glacier. He's a ha- oh, was he really? Yeah. Fucking Halloween characters. And a sinister minister in a brief tenure in WCW is James Vanderberg. We get a fucking bit of fire now from, from Benoit. Gets a bit of a comeback going. He baseball slides to the outside and locks on the crossface on Saturday. Yeah, so cool. And seeing he gets more and more desperate. The entire flock attack him. They hold him in place. And then uh, he ducks out of the way and Saturn moonsaults the entire flock. Brilliant. Come back from Benoit, a thing of beauty. He hits Air Canada. And then the flock just bum rush the ring. And he's just like, he's not doing a thing where he's like killing them all, like smash them. He's like incapacitating them. Just throwing them out of the way for a second. He's like yeah. James Bond. He sidesteps Kidman when he jumps off the rope. He like, you know, he just knocks a dude to the side with a quick takedown, throws the guy over the ropes. If it was someone like Kane, he'd be destroying all of them. But instead here, Benoit's like dodging them just because he's trying to like avoid the incoming fire or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, get out of the way. And then Raven stands up and gets in the ring and the crowd 
fucking explodes. They square off. And yeah. it's like, that's what I love about Raven. He's doing this whole thing like, I'm not wrestling. It's, it works because when Raven stands up at fucking Starcade, yeah. it means something. And he gives you so little. Yeah, He nothing. stands up and the crowd like buy into it. Less is more, like. Seriously. fucking masterful Perfect shit. case of that. Raven hits the DDT on uh, Benoit, who's, of course, the neck has been worked over. Rings of Saturn gets locked in. Saturn wins this incredibly one-sided encounter. I fucking love this. This is the most invested I've ever been in a WCW match, I think. Yeah. I bought so into this. Like, but the end there where um, Benoit squares up to him and then one of Raven's cronies hits him from behind and mm. Raven hits the DDT. That was, like, a genuine sort of, like, you fucking prick kind of moment. Yeah. I really fucking hated Raven, like totally bought into this he's got the perfect heel psychology down of like no I'm not going to fight you but then if you're doing a little too well in this match I'm going to get all my guys to beat you up and then I'm going to be the one that hits my big move because I'm such a tough guy or you know what they I mean no company made money with Raven I think the way that, I mean ECW obviously made a lot of success off the back of Raven for a long time but I don't think any co- the big companies never made the big money with Raven that you could have made because I mean the reaction he gets here from something like that could you imagine that because Ben Wall is like He's awesome here, but he's a fucking he's a nobody in WCW's yeah. eyes. The booking committee view him as a you know the vanilla midget. As yeah, they say. kid. Imagine him doing that with fucking Sting, or yeah. you know he does a, he does a bit with Goldberg later, but he gets squashed. It's just that I don't think he ever gave him that main event push. Yes, yeah, like, that untouchable thing as a main event heel. You want that someone would to fucking so kill badly. him. Like imagine Flair wanting to kill Raven. Yeah, that would oh my brilliant. god, man. But like um. You've always gone on about how amazing Raven is and you know how he's an underrated wrestler and saying how great he was in ECW and WCW and stuff like that. I've you've showed me clips and stuff from like his feud with Sandman and some of the promos and stuff, but Hey I've, Sandman, I got your kid. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really understood it before now, and then watching this match, it was sort of like, holy shit, WWF really pissed away this character because yeah. this, like, for me to watch this one match and then instantly hate Raven with such a passion just because of this. That's brilliant. Like he's an amazing heel, and he didn't even break a sweat. Like. No, he didn't do. He didn't have to do anything. It was just the character being amazing. Smartest um, man in wrestling. And then you compare it to WWF, where he was just oh the guy that comes out with a trolley full of weapons. Mm. That's all he had. I think the problem is like Raven is. I think he's the smartest man in wrestling, but I think a lot of people would also be of the opinion that he's probably the most irritating man in wrestling as yeah. well. He just rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, you know, and he he sued WWE once, so you know, Please. Uh, see you later. Burn those yeah, bridges. Burn, I mean, yeah, I don't think he will be seeing Raven featured ever really in WWE. Damn. Coming up next, Buff Bagwell uh, taking on Lex Luger. Uh, uh, I hate Buff Bagwell and I fucking hate Lex Luger. Oh, everything I hate about wrestling times two. Lex Luger is the spitting image of Randy the Ram. <laughs> Randy the Ram Ramzinski from The Wrestler in this. The only people who are going to tell me when I'm done is AOL when my contract expires. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, seriously, fuck these guys with their fucking bodybuilder bullshit, their fucking shit promos. No, I mean, I am not fucking hashtag work race. No, yeah. The, all right, I just showed you Raven. He did fucking nothing, and that was brilliant. Right? If you can't do the pace and you can't do the fucking match, then don't have a 17-minute match. Yeah, do something else. This match is longer than the main event. The lack of imagination. They looked at this match. They looked at Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko and thought... 
Give that Bagwell kid and Luger another five minutes. <laughs> fuck this. Yeah. They're gassed in ten this. seconds. It's so fucking boring. Dull as dishwater bullshit. It's WCW versus NWO. Buff Bagwell is irritating. Lex Luger is meant to be a face. They're both fucking detestable. This rest holes and flexing. Yeah, as you've said before, cars fighting bins is exactly what this is. It's just these big two fucking scraps. I say cars rest. fighting bins, right? But if your car fucks up this quickly... <laughs> and it's out of gas get a new car <laughs> this is fucking bins fighting buried men in the ground Jesus it is oh bleh alright you know what I fucking I didn't pay attention at all no because I just sat there waiting for something noteworthy to happen to actually make a note what, wrote, what have you got rest holes yawn scene missing <laughs> Vincent runs in he is disposed of he gets the torture rack Savage runs in he gets dragged same story over and over again, Norton comes in as well. Like, if the only way you can get heat for someone like Buff Bagwell is having a guy run in, and then another guy run in, yeah. and then a third guy go in, and that's the only way you can make like you can get a crowd to react. Lazy, absolutely lazy. And this is after we just had a match where we had an underdog babyface overcome the odds and fight off the the masses. Psychology one hundred and one in that last match. So it's like, hey, here's that last match, but way worse. No fucking pace of psychology, no cool moves, and it'll be executed without any of the, the fanfare. It's genuinely like we just had like a really nice filet mignon or something like that, and now they're just coming and putting like a big plate of shit yeah. in your fucking face. Eat that. Yeah, this and is you, awful. Take 16 minutes out of your day and fucking eat that. Bagwell wins after the fucking chain shot from Norton. It's just like one of these things where it's like, well, Luger didn't lose anything because it took three men to take him down. We all lost. And Bagwell gains nothing because it took... It means like, so we're fucking starting... We're exactly where we started. Nothing has been advanced as a result of that match. Biggest show of the year and you can't move the fucking story along at all. Not even by one peg. Like, that's all you've got. And this is the fucking shit that makes WCW a fucking chore to watch at times. That's as bad as it gets, surely. Yeah, surely. Surely. But uh, Bagwell wins... And then Liz comes out and she is concerned for Randy. Me fucking too. Yeah. He's, he's running. You tell me Macho Man Randy Savage is running number two on fucking Luger versus He Bagwell. is sliding down the card. Like, it's shit like this why Vince McMahon put him on commentary back in the day. Yeah. It's because I don't like seeing my fucking heroes. Having to do this kind of stuff. What are you sending him out for? Protect him. There's no one else in the NWO, really. You could easily make Randy Savage out to be one of the top guys in the NWO and a big scary motherfucker that's untouchable or whatever. But no. He's got that mystique and that persona attached to him of being a legend of wrestling and they're getting him to run out in this match. It's fucking shit, man. I, uh, I fucking hate this match. And it's really rare that you, in a show like this where there's such a clear line in the middle, right there in the fucking middle of WCW, Here's the fucking here's the wrestling and here's the fucking yeah. the good psychology and the good characters and the guys who know what they're fucking doing and here's the guys making all the fucking money yeah. and fucking spending time at tanning beds instead of learning how to cut a fucking promo Not doing anything like you can't do a fucking rear chin lock buff <laughs> yeah seriously ah oh, yeah this put a real bad taste in my mouth but coming up next is a match which really beat my fucking interest. Kurt Hennig taking on DDP for the US belt. Yes. Originally meant to be Kurt Hennig versus Ric Flair, but he is not here tonight. For some reason. Yeah. What's going on? I don't know. I, literally, this is unacceptable. Right. Well, you know what? It's time. I think this match is a fucking breath of fresh air after the last one. Mm. So, on the note of delegating power and responsibility in the podcast, 
It's AEBTs. <laughs> hey, no. Hey. Come on. You've, you've given me a real match to do. No, no, you're, you're, you're easily AE Wolfpack, Adam. Wolf. What does it mean? What is all of this? I, just, I don't understand I, the end I of the I want to start this podcast wearing an interview shirt and then, like, over the course of it, just take off and reveal different ones underneath. <laughs> like, That's right. It's the silver NWO I'm a part of. I right? don't get it. Rip it off and it's the Latino world order. Ah, but whose side am I on? Fucking hell. All right, take us through this US title match, buddy. Right, so, you know, they both come out. They both look great. Um, i got to say, Mr. Perfect still looks amazing here, even though this is way after what you'd be used to seeing him in WWF, what I would consider the classic Mr. Perfect. Still looks like. Still looks just like his gimmick. He's perfect, literally. Uh, Except not legally. No, no, sorry. He's Hennig, literally. (laughs) Everything I do is Hennig. In the ring, in the gym. And DDP as well, yeah, I mean... Again, DDP is another one of those guys that I only ever saw in WWF, you know, as... Um, the stalker. The stalker, DDP. That's, so, that's t- they save that for another yeah, day. Yeah, we'll get to that eventually. So, seeing him like this was brilliant. You know, he's this proper... peak DDP. Yeah, like. big, tough, bastard face. And I love that gimmick. With it's his awesome. mad hair and his fucking... His awesome... That's how you rock jeans, because he looks like a fucking... Uh, he looks like a working man. He does. He looks man like he's people. just got off his bike outside. He's had a couple of beers and he's going to come in and kick some ass. Like, kind of like a Magnum TA from the LWA. But uh, DDP, um, big fan of. Yeah, me too. Um, he was fucking amazing here. We get some quick, short, um, like snappy offense at the start here. No one going in for anything massive or anything, but just trying to get in little bits and pieces. DDP goes straight for a schoolboy pin. And he he gets moves with count. dynamic resistance. Yeah, yeah. And you get a sort of the real sense of urgency from DDP because... Um, Everyone's putting over the diamond cutter, and you know it could happen at any moment. And he goes for it almost straight away in the match, but uh, Hennig pushes him away and gets him to the outside. I love they called the diamond cutter the move of the nineties. Is it the move of the nineties? Like, I think it's so cool. That's cool because it was re- everyone's like, "Oh, spear jackhammer!" Like, no, no, fucking diamond cutter was over as fuck. Well, the thing I like about it is, um, again, you know, people say the RKO is the same thing today, and it is because it, 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 yeah. it can come out of anywhere. Is the thing. Um, but you never got that really in WWF there was no move that was really that snappy even the stunner he has to kick him beforehand so you can sort of see it coming a split second there is rarely in WWE do they ever put a move over instead of a guy yeah they'll always go on about the guy but they'll never be like you know, like mission holes. Lesnar with the Kimura, maybe. Yeah. They did a thing once with Triple H and Batista where he's like, the pedigree is the greatest move of yeah, It's not though, is but it? But it's like, no one's ever been kind of like, oh, his finisher will fuck you up, bro. Yeah, and you know? the Diamond Cut is one of these moves that it's like, it's you, you don't even get the time to register that it's even happened. It comes literally like that and it's over kind of thing. So, great move. But, um, he tries to go for it straight away here and gets thrown about. Hennig takes control from this point and like starts off with lots of throws and strikes, like he's tossing him so around smooth and smooth and seamless. Really, like this is proper pro wrestling. This is exactly what it should look like. like Any time like Kerrigan gets like thrown to the mat, he'll do like a little flip or a little toss. Like just he adds in a little bit extra. There's a lot of little flourishes that just make everything look really polished and finished. Dolph Ziggler basically practice. Really, yeah, he's really well polished. Uh, I think it was at this point as well on commentary. Dusty went, he tripped the lat fandango tonight, did it? Procol Harum lyrics. Fucking clue. White a shade of pale that is, mate. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Skip a laugh and dangle. The fuck are you doing, Dusty? How did that come up naturally? But imagine Dusty Rhodes and Captain Lou. <laughs> oh Jesus! You're like just two children on like, <laughs> had like a big <laughs> bottle of fizzy pop or something, just all going mad. It's fucking shouting over it's my idea of a nightmare. Ugh. Um, yeah, real fast and snappy with everything here. Hennig gets an awful long time doing offense, um, working over the broken ribs of DDP. Um, 
the guys on commentary are actually, you know, paying attention and talking about the match, and they're saying about how DDP's apparently had broken ribs for quite a long time, yeah. but because he's such a workhorse, and he and he's always wrestling, yeah. he never has time to heal. So I, I really like that, like a guy that sustains an injury for ages just because he doesn't want to stay yeah, down. It's, it's, like, it's get that with Dean Ambrose currently. Yeah, that's true, yeah. That kind of really good gimmick. Makes a guy look like he's a pit bull, really. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And we get an outside brawl where... Um, he sorry, Hennig throws DDP ribs first into the steel stairs. <laughs> looks so sore. So um, DDP starts staging like a proper big good guy comeback, and everyone's like buying into it and like, oh here we go. But then Hennig immediately throws him back down and puts him into a big massive rest hold, a big sleeper on the floor where he's 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 at least doing little tweaks and stuff to make it interesting. Like he's putting his feet on the ropes, you know, sort of get more heat. But it does go on for quite a while mm-hmm. here. This long rest hold. We get a sign in the crowd at this point that says, Steve Austin is the real icon. <laughs> for fuck's sake! This guy was on the front row, so the balls to have brought that. I think it was some show in 1998, and the actual cold open when they went to the fans was, I'd rather be, like, because <laughs> WWE was running another show. It's like, I'd rather be at fucking WrestleMania oh, or whatever no. it was. <laughs> That's terrible. Fucking Kevin Dunn, where are you? <laughs> After an hour or so of being in this rest hold, DDP finally breaks out of it with a nice big jawbreaker, which uh, Kurt Hennig, again, very Dolph Ziggler-esque, does a big old bounce out yeah. of his selling. is amazing. You get some good back-and-forth brawling here as DDP starts the, to come back. It's when they do the, the punching spots. Yeah. And they literally just start leathering each other. Yeah, and it sort of becomes a bit more even-paced here. Like, you, it's you know, it could go in either guy's favour. Dusty just goes off on a tear again here. Yeah. He's just like, he starts going on about destiny again. He's like, the destiny's are here tonight. It's DDP's destiny, baby. WCW, de- knock, knock, Adam. Who's there? Destiny, baby. <laughs> is he the spokesperson for Destiny? Destiny. Is he getting paid by Destiny? That's the Destiny's ne- child, baby. That's that shit new Xbox One game that everyone's on about. Do you reckon he was getting funded by them to keep plugging it or something? You know what I think happened? Alberto Del Rio was grown in a jar, right? <laughs> and they just had WCW Staircase playing on loop. So when he grew up into a full-grown man... Destiny! 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 <laughs> DDP throws Hennig to the outside and does a big massive dive and lands on his feet after hitting him. It looks so cool. Like Ooh, yeah. guy of his size doing something like that is outstanding. He tries to hit the diamond cutter again in the ring, but Hennig just this I thought it was really clever. Hennig holds the rope. So when DDP falls down for the diamond cutter, he just falls off Hennig yeah, and yeah. Hennig's left standing up. Really clever little reversal for that. That's I thought good, that was great. Yeah. Uh Hennig tries to get the perfect plex at this point. The Hennig Plex. Sorry. The Hennig Plex. Uh, Hennig tries to get the perfect plex, sorry, the Hennig, Hennig plex, plex onto DDP. Trying to get sued. <laughs> to which he stops it with a really nice armbar takedown and then just rolls away, separating both guys. At this point in the match, they're both really selling that they're really, they've tied each other out. They're staggering around a little bit and they can't keep up with each other because there's so much wrestling and grappling going on. Hennig throws DDP into the ropes, bounces back, Diamond cutter like that. Boom! Out of nowhere. One, two, three. DDP wins. And what a fucking win. It was awesome because this was again WCW versus NWO and DDP won the secondary title back for WCW. Yeah, back on their side. And it's like, yes, this is fucking, you know. We're doing it. NWO getting their comeuppance. Yeah. There was no interference. It was a fucking hell. Perfect. Who'd have thought? Um, no, it was Hennig. Oh, for fuck's sake. The selling in this match was Hennig. Like, Undoubtedly. You know, yeah, again, it's the fact that right before the end of the match, they were, like, staggering around and, like, selling how tired they were. And again, the diamond cutter, just like that, out of nowhere, mm. the crowd goes ballistic the second it happens because they're like, oh, shit, he did it. 
and that was it so Amazing perfect they got this, baby face ending they got this crowd like warm after that fucking long ass Luger Bagwell match yeah seriously real but, um, nice match it's a nice CDDP win but you can count your hand guys who kind of had that natural progression during this Nitro era mm. of like starting off low building up Goldberg and DDP really yeah. are the only kind of guys who were completely WCW no kind of NWA uh, about them you know DDP goes on to win the world belt later on wow you know? and he he is one of their few homegrown guys and I think a lot of people point at DDP because you know he was known to be friends with Bischoff and he yeah. was buddies with Hall and all that but you can tell here he's fucking over he is you know rightfully so as well and it's one of the few real nice things that WCW did is they managed to give the two lads that they gave who were homegrown they gave Goldberg and they gave DDP the belt. Now they weren't great runs, but they fuck at least they gave him the they belt. Did it, they yeah. did that much. You know, that's like a fucking major positive thing, yeah. I think. So uh yeah, no, I thought this was a fucking kick ass match. A great match. Yeah. Really good. Good stuff. Guess spot for WCWWrestling.com. It's our boy, Mark Madden. Fucking hell, he looked Jesus. What happened between 97 and 2000? Didn't realise Mark Madden was there for that long. Did Domino's introduce stuffed crust then? <laughs> Seriously, he looks like a fucking million dollars here in comparison. <laughs> this is not the man who tried to moonsault me and Gene Okerlund later. He's not, no. Oh, God. WCW.com. Speaking of, of, of information, no doubt. Oh, of course, mate. I remember we would always be on WCW.com back in the day. The one thing I... The stats. I used to actually go to WCW.com. Did you really? Because after the invasion... One, it was around the time of the invasion once you uh, went to WCW.com they, it, it loaded up said WCW.com and they did like a stone cold glass break really? and it, it redirected you to WWF.com that's amazing <laughs> it's like I got you now sucker we're taking all your web traffic a little pixelated Vincent Man just appears going hur, 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 <laughs> redirects you coming up next it's a battle for control of WCW Nitro the NWO had you know Long been the idea of Bischoff was when it got to this point and it was getting so big, the, one of the reasons he gave for the aggressive expansion was that he wanted to have another brand. Right. He felt the NWO brand, the shirts, the whole aesthetic was so strong that it could be its own thing. It could be its own show. Hence why we were getting lower tier guys joining it. Why right. the NWO was getting so big. The idea was to do another show. Separate roster. Now we do a point, we, WCW did have NWO Nitro. Right, okay. And NWO also ran Saturday Night, and you should seriously check out NWO Saturday Night. It was one of the funniest things ever. The idea of them, they did a pay-per-view as well, sold out 98. I've heard of this, yeah. It might be something to look at you know, down the line, but it's kind of regarded as, no, this didn't work. Because, yes, it has a, WCW has a strong brand in NWO, but that doesn't mean it has potential to stand alone. Yeah. It can't. I love the Wyatt family. I think they've got their entire thing down. But a whole show of the Wyatt yeah, family. You know, was, it, yeah, and you know, and that might sound like a, after a, a false while, equivalence, but it, it really, I think it is. It's the what, same. I, what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, after a while, imagine just all the black shirts and the same music and the same kind of gimmicks over and over again just must mm. get tiring and boring. So the idea this was building up then, the the whole point was now that we're having this match for the control of Nitro, which is Eric Bischoff, who was billed as being the leader of the NWO, a title which Hogan is also billed as having. Fuck's you guys, sorry. Two leaders, mate. Sorry, hey, like. It's a two man power trip. Where would they be without the two popes? Like? <laughs> Larry Sabisco, the living legend, protege of Bruno Sammartino, you know, came up through AWA, old timey WWWF. Mm. You know, he is he's a nice avatar for tradition. Yeah. He was also the commentator in WCW at the time. Right. So it's the idea, it's like, right, we'll have our. Or or guy you wouldn't expect will wrestle a match against your guy we wouldn't expect would wrestle a match. Eric Bischoff versus Larry Sabisco. Yeah. 
fucking psyched for this one. I wasn't. I thought really? like, oh, two guys that don't really wrestle, gonna go one on one. Bret Hart's. Well, no, no. I, I, I'd say Larry Sabisco well, you know, can wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, but um, what you told me before this is, oh, he's the commentator. He used to be a wrestler, but now he's a commentator. I assumed that he was like. I thought we were gonna get like Jerry the King Lawler versus the Miz or something here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was quite surprised at what we got instead, actually. Eric Bischoff coming out. First of all, that fucking theme music. I love the character of Eric Bischoff. The fucking weaselly scumbag. Coming out, because I know... Right, here's the secret to the Eric Bischoff heel character. He's a shoot bollocks. <laughs> right, he's a shoot bollocks. And what do you mean by that? Is that he actually is a dickhead. Yeah. So when he comes out with the fucking hair slicked back and the fucking that's leather, him. leather jacket with no shirt, doing the double finger points, like that's not him going, I bet that'll get under this. No, that is, yeah, that that's is Eric you, Eric. Bischoff. That is yeah, you, like. Brilliant. Eric Bischoff, who once a year used to fucking ride on a Harley Davidson motorbike with Hogan and all the other big muscle lads and drive to Sturgis and put on a free wrestling show. <laughs> You know, that is you, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> that is not a heel move. That's you being a fucking real-life dickhead. <laughs> and I love you for it. Yeah, it makes a great character. With the fucking big smile. When he comes out, he starts hair. pointing at the, like, you know, anyone in the crowd with a big old smile on his face. And like because he's accompanied by Scott Hall, that just makes it so much worse. And he's so like, short as well. Yeah, of course he's cocky and smiling. He's got a fucking big, muscly lad with him. He knows he's okay. <laughs> he looks like a Ken doll here. He does. He looks very plastic here. Yeah, like, and that's I just, that's what I love about Bischoff, is that he kind of... He's a fake little man. He embraced it, though, you know? Because yeah. when Bischoff was a face announcer, it was irritating, but, like, people want to hate people like Eric Bischoff. And we do. And we do. And that is a constant in wrestling. Have you been witness to much Eric Bischoff, really? I mean, did you watch when he was in WWF? You seen Only clips of him? Or? Bit, I've seen, I saw bits of him as a general manager in WWF, and I saw Stone Cold stuttering him and like making JR shoot his load oh, everywhere. Where like, yeah. Experience it! A king Feel size. it! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I've not seen much of Eric Bischoff. I've seen a few promos here and there. I get that he's really hateable mm. and that, you know, he, he's a good character to hate. I think the problem with Eric Bischoff is it's not really his fault. It's just that the heel, smarmy, overbearing, um, arrogant authority figure has been done to death. It has now, yeah. And I think he's almost smart enough to realise that him being on... I mean, like, because he, he ran his course in WWE. He was great in WWE, I thought. But yeah. by the end of it, it's like, yeah, we've... We get it. We get it now. It's It's been 10 years non-stop of it. And that's why I kind of like why WWE are kind of doing something at least a little bit different. Yeah. You know, with the the authority and stuff that's like true, that. Yeah, that's true, yeah. They're not quite the same but kind I mean, of you know, Vince McMahon and fucking Eric Bischoff for all those years. Vicky Guerrero. And Vicky Guerrero. And John Laurinaitis. You know, John Laurinaitis. Yeah. You know, Dixie Carter. Yeah. You can go on Bischoff again in TNA. It, it's, it's done. But uh, for the time, it was brilliant. And always remember, folks, Eric Bischoff was the heel authority figure who really worked for the company long before Vince McMahon decided to do that. Oh. Now, I think Bischoff, he said a few times in interviews that he thinks McMahon lifted it. Yeah. I don't think McMahon didn't watch the other shows. I think it came organically from the Montreal Screwjob. So. But still, you can understand him wanting to take credit he for did doing do it, it first. first. He did do it first, yeah. He did, but it's very different to, uh, to, to what Vince did. Fucking Larry Zabisco, that jacket. Oh man, what a man's man this guy I is. Fucking love Zabisco. Seriously. Funny fucker on commentary. Um, I like as well his jacket. It kind of looked like if they had like an, ex I think I said to you, if they had an exclusive. Special edition. High end, like Qatar Airways. Or some are going to Dubai, special Ferrero Rocher. Yeah, that expensive ones. Special black with silver bits on it. <laughs> it's got real nuts in it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I love this build up and setup. It is basically wrestling tradition versus dicks ruining wrestling. Well, again, now as a guy that didn't really know the build going into this or knows the characters, Eric Bischoff comes out. He instantly looks like the most unbearable cunt on the planet. Like, I just hate him immediately. He's like slimy and he's won't stop grinning. And then the next guy that comes out is this proper stern, traditionalist, looking like, you know, like a real fucking wrestler should. And the kind of guy that looks like he carries himself with dignity and you can tell he's had a good career behind him. So immediately I was like, thank you, sir, for coming here today. Yeah, and like, Please kick this man's ass. The, the, again, like the, the Canada-US feud they had, they had the crowd split. There were people who were NWO fans who just wanted to see the NWO. And yeah. then there were the old traditional WCW fans. So, you know, it's basically them coming out. It's like, do you want to fucking see 20 minutes of Bischoff pointing at things coming out in a motorbike on Nitro? Or do you want to see the fucking wrestlers? Yeah. We're not going to tell you what we're going to do, but choose a side, and that gets the, that gets the crowd really. <laughs> That's invested. true. And the crowd are fucking hot for this one. Oh my god! Get lots of kind of feeling out at the start. Bischoff playing up, you know, he's got the the karate. I love the way the announcers. Yeah. Tanae is like, you know, he's got that black belt in karate, but it's a one-dimensional sport. If if Zabisco takes him down, he's going to shoot on him. Like, yeah. I love that. And he gets a couple of little chaps in on him, you know. Yeah. With well, his little fighter gloves. At one point, he uh, he knocks down Zabisco with a kick to the head. Like it comes out of nowhere, unexpected. Like he, he fucking he, he clocks him real good. Uh, he goes outside at several points. Skull gives him instructions meaning well Scott Hall does the pose from Cry King goes do this one bro <laughs> <laughs> big galoot I love Scott Hall so funny brilliant fucking Larry bum rushes him awesome gives him all the holes yeah basically default moveset from like WrestleMania 2000 swinging neck breaker suplex fucking you know arm bars this is wrestling figure four it's a clinic yeah this is proper classic this is your meat and two veg of wrestling yeah. Bret Hart of course is the referee for this encounter we'll talk a little bit more about Bret Cohen to WCW in the main event mm. but he kind of plays it neutral for, for most of this one he stops Zabisco from going too far at a couple of points like there's some times where Zabisco is just wailing on Bischoff and so Bret steps in to sort of even it out a little bit yeah. but yeah he's not really much not of a much factor of for a most of the match to start. Bischoff runs away he keeps getting kind of slight advantages because Brett, like, you know, he stops, you know, Zabisco using the closed fist yeah. or from choking him. Bishop gets another head kick and then he goes into the corner and he's like, he unleashes his karate combo, like a big fucking killer instinct thing he's got going on. He's like, da 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 <laughs> Bischoff is a grunty boy. Oh, he is. And uh, speaking of which, at two hours, seven minutes and 30 seconds, we get our first half of the Grunt of the Night, which is when um, Zabisco is choking Bischoff with his legs and Bischoff's just rolling around and flailing, going... <laughs> Short arm center, take down into a head center. He's feeling like a pig right here, Bret Hart. And then, like, three minutes later, we get um, Bischoff is going... Dah! After every strike, he's just hitting him over and over again. but he didn't miss that one in the back of the head. He's a very grunty man, Bischoff. You didn't expect Bischoff to be a grunter. I did not. He doesn't look like a grunter. Usually stoutness uh, is... You have to be a big burly motherfucker. If we're going to play a regression line between stoutness and gruntiness, you wouldn't expect a thin man like Bischoff to be gurgling like that. No, he's got the lung capacity for it, I guess. In the first time I think I've ever seen it in wrestling, we have a wrestler punch himself out... I love this. Yeah. Bischoff actually gets tired out. It's from, brilliant. Because Zabisco just covers up. And he's just great. blocking for ages. And then uh, he's like staggering around and uh, he just literally knocks him over, puts him in the tree of woe. Yeah. And Scott Hall gets his little gimmick in, his little uh, square Metal plate. plate. Yeah. I think it's like the Book of Mormon is written on the, the <laughs> pop it in there. Pops it into Bischoff's little foot plate thing so it's going to be reinforced. 
Bischoff kicks him. Flies out. Right no, edge. Nowhere near. It's a complete whiff. They, they actually show it in slow-mo after the match. And you can see the plate Souvenir flying for the out fan in the audience. Like. Long before Bischoff's foot is anywhere near his face. Brilliant. Complete waste. Bischoff, he has a Sabisco knocked out, turns to Brett and he's like, we're going to do it. We're going to run Nitro. They were kind of implying that we didn't know where Brett's allegiance is. He's leg. a tweener, they kept saying, yeah. And then he just sops Bischoff. Fucking Hall comes in. And this is great. WCW fans, you are being spoiled. You get Hall and Bret Hart facing yeah. off. Hall doing the massive selling. He's all scared, like, oh. yeah, trembly. Locks in the sharpshooter. Larry chokes out Eric. Larry is just declared the winner without a bell. That's it. But fuck it, screwy finish, still was hot. Would it have killed them to have Bischoff tap out or be counted out? Probably yeah, not. I don't understand. I mean, it just, because of the ending, it felt like it wasn't actually a sanctioned match and more of a fight. But then yeah. it was a match and Bret Hart was being very stringent about the rules throughout the match. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're going to tell a guy to stop using closed fists, surely you're going to make him pin the opponent to win. And it's kind of as well, it's like one of these things where it's like, this is meant to be the night where everyone's getting their comeuppance. You're winning back Nitro for, for WCW. Why not have Just a, beat him. Beat him. It's yeah. Bischoff. Yeah, come on. It would be great to see him. Get, like, like, tapping out and yeah. crying and stuff. Well, why not? Why can't Bischoff do a clean job? Oh, mate, you gotta keep it's him. Eric Bischoff. Got to keep him protected for the future. Yeah, you, for the big show. <laughs> Fuck me, man. But yeah, again, great match. Great crowd. Marred by the WCW kind of... Excellent match. It was mm. completely unassuming. And... I really, really fucking love Larry Zabisco. I'm going to go out of my way to try and find more of his stuff now because he ah, was good amazing. Zabisco. Yeah, he's great. Barrel chested man that he is. Yeah. Coming up next, it is billed as the most anticipated wrestling contest of all time 18 months, which is a fucking excruciating eternity in wrestling. That's a slow burn for wrestling. 18 months building to this point. A build which has seen WCW go and become the dominant force in wrestling to kick Vince McMahon's ass thoroughly. Yeah. You know, this is the hot show and this is the hot angle. WCW's most successful pay-per-view of all time. And here's the match that it was built on the back of. It's Sting versus Hogan. When a man's heart is full of deceit, he burns up, dies, and a dark shadow falls over his soul. From the ashes of a once great man has risen a curse, a wrong that must be righted. We look to the skies for a vindicator, someone to strike fear into the black hearts of the same man who created him. The battle between good and evil has begun. Against an army of shadows comes a dark warrior, the prevailer of good, with a voice of silence and a mission of justice. This is Sting. What's the longest you think you've waited for like a payoff in wrestling? Like kind of for something to finally happen? Or... Um, for me, personally speaking, it will be finding out the answers behind uh, who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. That's the longest Rainy I think I've year. ever had to wait for mm. in wrestling. Because wrestling's always so short term, you never get big, massive stories. Brian winning the belt at WrestleMania 30 was a long time coming. That was yeah, that felt like a, a good eight or nine month uh, build up, didn't it? That yeah. was very slow. To make you really wait, 18 months. That's brave to do that. I, I really wish they did stuff like that more often in wrestling. It's it's awesome because the payoff is always so well. 
Let's, let's, let's discuss the <laughs> let's match. Let's get in the match first. All right, we got our main man, Michael Buffer, talking us through this match. To quote Gordon Ramsay, as I have already done, Passion fruit is the closest you'll get to passion. Seriously, you can just see the fucking dollar signs in his cold, dead eyes. He is less motivated here than a bash at the beach. Yeah, this is going to be their WrestleMania. Look, let's just play him here. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling for the heavyweight championship of the world. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you Dead behind the eyes. Let's get ready to rumble. Did someone not fucking bring up the gain on fucking Michael Buffer, lads? Where's the nearest liquor store? I gotta cash a check. <laughs> Just straight out of there. Sack money. of money. Let's get ready no, to. No, no, genuinely fuck Michael Buffer. Yeah. Like, the amount of money he charges to do that job is fucking ridiculous. Your he voice must, isn't that good. He must have made such a killing with WCW. They oh, he would have done, yeah. Instead of Bash the Beach, he was on retainer. He was calling Nitros at one point. Ludicrous. Crazy. Absolutely ludicrous. Okay, the world heavyweight champion at the moment of WCW and the man who's basically had the iron grip on this company for the last 18 months, who has snuck away unscathed from nearly every single encounter. You know, he's had people beat him, like Piper beat him, but he still had the belts. And yeah. People got to him, but he still ran the NWO. The man who almost always music was playing at the end of the night... Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Now, can I just say, not a massive Hogan fan. No. Because, I don't know, this is going to sound really cruel, but if you tell me and you're a wrestling fan, I'm a big Hogan fan, I automatically think you're in the weird spectrum of wrestling fans. <laughs> As in, you go, I'm a Hogan fan. I'm like, can you like take off your shirt and confirm you don't have his face tattooed on you? Because <laughs> it's such a weird thing to be, because he's such the obvious choice. So if yeah. you're like, Hogan's my favourite wrestler, Hogan for life. Even John Cena, like a fan or something. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, yeah. you're kind of... You you're might, on the same level, of, you're on the same wavelength as me when it comes to wrestling. You like different things than I do. Exactly, yeah. But I love Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah. That gimmick. And again, it's it's like Bischoff. Hogan, the th- things that people hate Hogan for as Hollywood is tapping into real stuff. Mm. Fucking control over the company. Stranglehold. Always going over. Always protected. Won't put anyone over thinks that he's, you know, the reason why everyone's here. Fucking brilliant. The thing that I've noticed so far with WCW that they can do much better than the WWF could around the the time is that WCW make you hate all of their heels. Mm. Everyone that they have as a heel on their roster, you immediately just fucking like, oh, I can't fucking stand that guy. But that only works, though, if you're that... If you're that other kind of fan, if you're that wrestling fan, because if you're the fucking laissez-faire NWO, I just want to see Dennis Rodman. Well, yeah, that's true. You're going to think the heels are cool. Well, from my point of view, mm. anyway, it just they do a great job of making the heels heels, and you know you, you can't stand them. Whereas at WWF at the time, like you know they weren't doing necessarily such a great job. And yeah. A couple of years later, you get things like Billy Gunn trying to be a heel, but he's not actually a heel. You don't yeah. give a shit. WCW really seemed to have that sewn up, like being able to manipulate you into hating them. Well, because that's gave, just me anyway. They, well, no, they gave them so much heat, though. I mean, you're meant to hate them. That's the point. Well, that's the thing. Like you say, yeah. Hogan's like spent all this time getting away with it and never getting his comeuppance and always, you know, being the bigger guy. Yeah. So. Well, like I mean, when you had the NWO beating up everyone every night and always winning, like 
Yeah. Yeah. They are heels who... They're strongly... Strong heels, I think, is probably the best thing. Yeah, because they actually took the time to invest into their character and, like, you know... Make and they also took the time to make sure they never jobbed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, strong, strong heels, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely. I love how Hogan still did, like, little things like the Hulkamania taunts. Yeah, listening to cupping his ear with the fans. And he just looks like... <laughs> He just looks so fucking bad. With stupid sunglasses. His black stubble. Ridiculous beard. His lightning pants. Yeah. He looks like such a final boss. In a, in a, he really... No, he genuinely you know? is. Yeah. He's like fighting Hihachi at the end of Tekken. Yeah, like definitely. Big bastard. Sting coming out. And I think I believe this was the first time you ever saw Sting complete first a match. I've ever seen Sting wrestle. And I was very excited because... You know, throughout this whole pay-per-view, they've just been talking about this match and talking and talking about how significant it is that these two are going to fight. And I was like, oh, I've never seen Sting fight before. And it's like, so. Sting's purposes are not unclear. Yeah. Sting is here to save the company. Exactly. He is literally the hero that's coming to save you the You know, day. he is here to, to, to right the wrongs. And Sting, like you said earlier, is very much in everyone's public conscious at the minute. Like, you know, he's back in the, the scene. Everyone's talking mm-hmm. about him. So I was like, oh, I'm finally going to get to find out what he's all about. And at the start, you get this sort of like weird animation that's made the out of laser like, thing, electricity yeah. and lasers in the It was sky. like something from the Sesame Street. It was like something from a Don't Jean- waste water. <laughs> well, I was thinking like a Jean-Michel Jacques concert. <laughs> and like these like really pretentious voices talking about like, a, you know, a guardian watching over us or whatever and all this big Freddie Blassie text and all that. I thought it was the most fucking pretentious thing. Really? Ever. I imagine at the time, if I was a WCW fan and I cared more... I was really into it. I'd be like, oh my God, this is a big moment I that I'm think witnessing right now. This but. again is like, same reason with this, maybe kind of like Undertaker with his, his, his it's presentation. Age. It's, it's, it's product age. of the time. Yeah, yeah. In the 90s, this would have been great. But now looking back, I'm just like. Tastes ah. have changed, though. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, things do change. And I guess you can't help that, but just. It just made me laugh. It looks so oh, ridiculous. Oh, no. So that was not a great start. Wait, when he, like, even Sting himself, like, with his attire and his No, no, no. I think Sting does look like a badass. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I ever saw him, I just thought, well, that guy's just ripping off the crow. That's nothing clever about that. But he does genuinely really present himself like a, a real mysterious mean I love the motherfucker. And I actually, this is, like, uh, one of my favourite bits of directing I've ever seen in wrestling to date here is when um, Sting's walking out down the ramp and he's just walking into the camera and at the same time, they've overlaid, crossfade, yeah. they've crossfade over mm. the uh, camera that's on Hogan's face. But because it's dark and all the flashes are going off, you just keep getting little flashes of Hogan's face over it. And it just sort of really Fucking does feel awesome, like, yeah. oh my God, we're heading into a war here. Big fight feel. Really cinematic. You know, for all his fucking failings, Buffer, yeah. he Buffer and the, the music and the fucking the crossfade and stuff like that. It does, and the fact that they've been talking about it all goddamn night. Yeah, you know, I, I was finally ready for this big, big battle to take off now. Stuff, very slow stuff to start, brother. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> a very soft beginning. For me, it was like you're kind of booked into a corner in some respects with the eighteen months business, because it's like, what do you want to see here? Eighteen months of waiting. I want to see Sting kill that coward hug. Yeah, like destroy him. Yeah. But, like, he just, straight off the bat, Hogan just overpowers him. Hogan is in Hogan charge. Hogan wrestles him. Yeah, Hogan's in charge for, like, the first six or seven minutes. And Sting just keeps getting made to look like a fool. He just keeps getting knocked like, down. And so Hogan does all this, like, hot dog and stuff. Like, he picks him up and he points at his fist and he goes, This is where yeah. the power lies, dude. That's one thing. But if it, it's cool if he does that and then Sting slaps him or whatever. But he just but does, he does that. And then, yeah, he, he hurts Sting. Like, it's... Yeah. What, what I wanted to get... Was the fucking the hot opener where like you know Rock and Austin they square off or whatever and yeah. then they start you know trading blows big time. Sting or... with his moves, you know the stinger splash, the high kind of the snappy offense. Yeah, that is 
perfect for that. And it's not as if Hogan has to bump a lot from. No, just no. Throw just, him into the corner, be yeah. You just know. trade blows for a little while or whatever. But the fact they start off really quiet, and then Hogan's just beating him up for ages. It's like really eighteen months build up, and this is how you're going to start the match. Hogan baits the fucking bollocks out of Sting. In he this. does. Like seriously, goes on and like again, Hogan 100% creative control in his contract. Yeah, it right? shows. And you're Hogan's going to have to lose, so it comes to a head here. Basically, you're you have a gun to your head if you're booking this match because you've built it up for 18 months and you've got one of the players who can decide on a whim if he wants to that no, actually, I think I'll win tonight. No, I think I'll win instead. Yeah. And what you have here then basically is Hogan kind of going right. He's going to win, but I have to make sure I look strong, brother. Yeah. And that's why we have him beaten down for. And you know what I hate about this. Every other match, Hogan and Piper, Hogan and Savage, Hogan and Flair. Hogan is always running scared the yeah. whole time. And out of nowhere, where this guy who's built up for 18 months, young all of a sudden face. Hogan becomes the fucking the powerhouse. And yeah. all of a sudden he's kicking ass and taking names. The one time you don't want it to happen. It's like, it really is counterintuitive. And I think it really cuts the balls off this match. It does, it's a complete on. waste. Now you do get your glimmers of hope from Sting. But it's shut down immediately. Yeah, he never gets in any serious offense. Just a couple of hits here and there. Maybe it, an arm drag or something. It's like, you're not in my league, brother. Yeah, you know? it really stinks of that. And it's you know, so mean. It just it smells of politics, this yeah. whole thing. A great spot where Hogan does his move, though. It's like a slam. He goes, he does the big double gun bicep pose. Oh, yeah. And then Sting stands up and he poses and goes after Hogan. That's fucking great. Like, Hogan then acts scared of him. Sting no-sells it, doesn't he? And just starts like, fighting back. As much as I like that, and I popped for it. I was like, why is Hogan now scared of the man who, ten seconds it's ago, he was beating him up for ages. You know? It's completely confusing. It's not what the fans expected to see as well. Of course not. Because you can tell the fans are just kind of clam... They're, they're restless this whole match. It's sort of like, come on, let's go. Let's get it started, yeah. man. Can we actually get to the fight? It's him! Yeah. You know? This match is only 10 minutes long. Really short. I'd seen this before and it's still out of the blue. It fucking, it completely nailed me. I'll play it for you right now. Sting down. Big leg drop. One, two, three! Oh, what, Bret Hart has come out and taken. Bret Hart is there. Bret Hart's at ringside. Leg drop, one, two, three. I was fucking shocked by that. He just pinned him, one, two, three, cleave. Now, Nick Patrick, the screw referee, what we just saw there was meant to be a fast count. That was, I was going to say, I was literally about to say, if it was a fast count, that would have been okay, because it's like, oh, Hogan didn't really beat him. The idea but was that Hogan pins him after the leg drop, Fast count, then Brett comes. Stops the bell from being rung. And Brett is like, I'm stopping the bell from being rung. This ain't happening again. What we have instead is leg drop, one, two, like a fucking metronome. Yeah. I could send my watch to you, Nick Patrick. And then because of that, when Brett Hart stops him from ringing the bell, it just sort of feels like Brett Hart's like, oh, I didn't get my way. Now the good guys are going to win. Right? And Brett like, grabs the microphone and is like, happy again. Yeah. It oh, doesn't make any sense. It's, it's so, so awkward. awkward. And really it makes, embarrassing. It makes Hogan look like, oh, look, what have they done to Hogan there? He won. Yeah, Hogan did win. Hogan, and that's what oh, annoys Sting me. Oh, wants to have another go. Hogan actually won. Yeah. Just so you know. Hogan still wins. To think... That you could be that successful in wrestling and be that shallow and that fucking, you, you know, you think petty. Winning, winning is everything. I, I, in my heart of hearts, I genuinely hope this is just Nick Patrick being shit. Not doing a fast enough count. And not Hogan going, do a normal, normal count, yeah. Because if that's the, uh. fu- like, if that's the case, because there's some fans out there who are so cynical and hate the wrestling so much. 
Like I don't want it. I always feel I'm I'm tipping over, and yeah. I, I think if I believe that, I'm far so gone. One, two, yeah, it's too, too much of a stretch. I'd like to think it's just a fuck up. Now tweet me and tell me otherwise, but fuck me, man. Don't tell me that Hulk Hogan really was that petty. <sighs> but Especially regardless, for a guy that they spent eighteen months building up to, eighteen months to, to get do pinned that clean shit in ten minutes yeah. by Hogan. Ugh. Brett comes in, then you know, trying to explain the and they're playing off the Montreal thing with Brett, mm. and it's just fucking. Brett has a no compete clause here, right. so I mean, Brett can't wrestle. So it's like, why bring him on the pay per view just to do this fucking rammed in, make him look weird? And- it, you really, Brett Hart in a fucking t-shirt, stopping matches. What's going on? That's not the hit, man. Brett throws Hogan back in, and we get. 30 seconds of what this match should have been in my mind which is Hogan going ah crowd fucking erupt stinger splash stinger splash takes out the NWO gets in the Scorpion Deathlock Hogan is declared the I mean Hogan doesn't tap doesn't tap he tells Brett verbally so so you don't see him tapping and yeah, Sting wins. And you know what? It's kind of like, you're like, yes, but still. I wasn't like, you know yes. It's like, it too little, too late. You know, it's point. like, Christmas morning, you realise you you're a spoiled, shitty little kid like I was, and you didn't get the toy you wanted. And you start crying. And then they get you a different toy instead. And you're like, yeah. oh, it's good. Yeah. I know, I didn't want it. Yeah. You know? Fucking... It, they, they completely soured it. Is not like, the feeling you wanted. Like... Even though the match was shit and Hogan was just wailing on Sting, there was still part of me thinking like, yeah, but in a minute Sting will make a comeback and you know Sting will fucking kill him. But then once they did that three count, that was it. The whole match was just completely tainted. If you edited out that three count... It'd be fine. It actually would be a great Sting match. Sting makes his great comeback at the end and kills him. But because of that, like, I wanted Sting to win and he did, but it just, it was in a bollocks manner. It was really rubbish. Very, very, very shortly after this, the title would be... Vacated! Oh, for fuck's sake. WCW's favourite words. Why? Because of the controversy. Because they they couldn't go on and pretend that this right, was normal. okay. So they vacated the belt. Sting's de- defeating the NWO like they're acting like here. Hogan being dethroned. Meaningless. Lasts all of two or three days. And people always go, and it's very, very easy. And it's, f- don't get me wrong, it's fun to do. To say Nash fucking killed WCW yeah. and Russo killed WCW and the finger poke of doom killed WCW. The end of the day, those are all symptoms of a bigger illness. WCW, when it was at its most successful, was terminally ill yeah. because they were doing shit like this. Self-destructive, counterintuitive. Letting you, guys do whatever they want. You build for 18 months. And what happens the next... NWO get their own pay-per-view in a few months. They're meant to be give, fucking get... They spend a year and a half killing everyone and they don't get their comeuppance. Oh. You know? And this could have been... this. The, what the worst part is, it wasn't like it was just, oh, that was a missed opportunity. 18 months. How often does that happen in wrestling that they spend 18 months on something? This could have been like one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. This See, could have been like looked back on fondly No one ever plays this, the main event of this and kind of go, oh, that was a classic WCW. It wasn't. They, they always it talk up. about the build. They never talk about the match no, and the finish. No, they fucked it. They completely they killed it. Up, yeah. It's sad to see, and it's funny as well because, you know, I never won for a point saying this killed a company, this killed a company. You know, it's a myriad of problems killed WCW. 
But this is very much one of those kind of wobbly Jenga piece moments. Yeah. Because this buy rate comes back for this. And it's like 1.8, 1.9. One of the highest uh, is the highest that WCW had ever done. Right. And it also was significantly higher than what WWE were doing on pay-per-view at the time. Because WWE were, were doing crappy. Yeah. High ratings, high pay-per-view buys, high merch sales. Everything seems amazing. Even though the wheels are falling off the, the wagon. What happens after this? We get Thursday Night Thunder is, is made. Right. A show which never was, ratings-wise, it never became what it should have been. Which then led to fucking WWF making SmackDown. Then Nitro went to three hours. They kill themselves by counting their chickens before they had, so to speak. It's like, they look at this and they go, we're the most successful wrestle company in the world. Yeah. More, 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 Let's more, do more. more. Aggressive yeah. expansion. You know, it's just... Uh, it Got it, too big for its own good. Or... Way too big. Way too bloated. But you know what? I think overall as a pay-per-view starcade... You get it's it's very representative of WCW, both the highs and the lows. I think mm. you get some of that great cruiserweight action. But you know, people always go great wrestling WCW. There was great wrestling outside of the cruiserweights. I think we definitely got that with uh, a lot of the, the matches that were on offer here tonight. I really enjoy Starcades, but it's just it's one of these ones where it's like when you know the backstory and what happens from it, it's such a tainted show. Yeah. And that main event has to be one of the biggest, worst fuck-ups in wrestling ever. I don't know, what did you think? I actually really, really enjoyed the show as a whole. It was like, I, apart from the Luger-Buff-Bagwell match, I didn't actually get bored at any point. I was consistently entertained and enjoying it. But tainted, I think what you said there is definitely the right word, because this could have been like WCW's WrestleMania 17 or something. This could have been like a really big, significant Well, compare this to, to WrestleMania 17, because those are both peaks. Yeah. As in peaks of popularity, peaks of financial viability. Yeah. So this is... This is their yeah. equivalent, and um, it could have been incredible, but there was just so many little problems and so much bullshit that they were not dealing with and letting go uh, unchecked, letting guys do whatever they want and just running roughshod all over the roster. They just, they fucked themselves. Yeah. They completely ruined it. Definitely. And I don't know as if you could, I mean, that, that, that's, that's the thing that's going to come down to the great mystery now, is it like, was Nick Patrick just making a mistake? They asked him about it. This is going to keep me awake at night now, because the whole thing him, um, hinges on that, really. They had him with a shoot interview. Yeah. And they asked him point blank, and he was just like, I don't remember. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. God damn it. That's so unsatisfying. There you go, WCW Starcade 1997. A much more pleasant viewing experience than Bash at the Beach. Oh, yes. And definitely, you know what, it's, it's interesting to look back at a show like this and see why they were so successful and also what was their undoing all in one show. It's, yeah. It's rather convenient. You probably get more, you'll find out more about WCW watching this than you probably would the WCW documentary <laughs> that they released. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Attitude Era podcast. Thanks very much for voting in this special uh, voting uh, extravaganza. If you were, I don't know, fans, let us know what you think of this. If you want to do this again, put more episodes to fan votes for, for bonus stuff. Yeah, we can do more. Make suggestions for anything you'd like to see in particular. See what turns out to be popular. We'll do another vote somewhere down the line. But no, it was definitely great. I like taking kind of sidesteps now and then to like have a look at some other things. And this is definitely a really interesting oh yeah I'm glad we watched this study almost yeah. definitely so thanks very much for voting for this one yeah uh, as sad as I was that we weren't doing Legends we were all like, grumpy sitting down going I don't want to watch Legends I don't want to watch WCW I want to do Howard Finkel impressions <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like I've learned a lot about WCW and and then maybe one day I'll understand what this MWO business is all about. <laughs> Get my head around it. Whose side are they on? All I have to do now is thank you very much for listening and tuning in. If you're on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe and get all our episodes directly. 
And as always, you can do a massive favor for us, leaving a rating or review on iTunes, help spread it uh, through the charts. Also, word of mouth, a lot of people telling friends about you know, the podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Fucking massively. Yeah. Be sure you follow us on Twitter, at AE Podcast. Live tweeting the bejesus out of pay-per-views and raws and everything in between what takes us. And also go to facebook.com forward slash Attitude Air Podcast. Give us a like. We have caption contests going up there for the WrestleMania episode soon. We also have, yeah, you know, opportunities like this. Fan voting. Fan art. Discussion. Adam Churik. His fan, the fan art that man came out with for No Way 2000. He's been on fire, that guy. Un- fucking believable special shout out to you sir you do a great job oh, 50 shades of glad game <laughs> fucking me- oh, love you man fucking love you and then also if you go to youtube.com forward slash AE podcast you can find that we've made some little video clips of some of our favourite moments from past episodes of the podcast we've got some good stuff on there such as the brood mm. breaking their silence and Undertaker slitting his wrists and a video which WWE insta-blocked so sorry yeah you won't be seeing that one anytime soon <laughs> nope <laughs> you can also go to our Vine account which is linked to the Twitter that Kevin mentioned before that is also full of little sick second goofs and spoofs yeah and also as well if you want to support the podcast and give back monetarily and uh, pitch in a few quid and literally just that selfie.com forward slash AE podcast our audio commentaries are available to download currently there's one for Beyond the Mask also one for Wrestling with Shadows two great wrestling documentaries here are thoughts on the Screwjob Montreal WCW you know all the stuff that went on Beyond the Mask We've gotten great reviews so far from people. Thanks everyone for downloading them so far. It's been Appreciate awesome. it so much. We'll have more of those coming out soon. And as mentioned at the top of the show as well, SquaredCircle.biz. Join hey. the Glad Gay community and wear that goddamn sassy t-shirt. I can't believe we're actually selling t-shirts. It's I crazy. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, fucking amazing. Big shout out to Kev Gilmore and the guys at Squared Circle at Tea. It's 16 pounds if you're in the UK, including postage and packaging. And we also, there's a US store as well, so we have to pay crazy postage. $20 available from there. You just pick your store. High quality tees. <laughs> I've ordered one before now. I've, I've got a square circle tee myself from there. Very good t-shirts. He's a customer. Take it from him. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, make sure you check those out. Thank you everyone for supporting you know, all our endeavors and stuff like this. We wanted to make t-shirts for the longest time. And the fact that we actually got to do one. And it's a, re- a design we're really happy with. It's a big milestone achievement. It's like, it, it feels very legit. Like, I really so, yeah. appreciate that um, everyone supported the podcast to get us to this thank, point. Yeah, thank you, thank you all so much for helping us get to the point where we actually get to do something like this. Crazy. That's fucking awesome. Comicspots.com, new issue out where I have an article about Channel 4. Check that bad boy out. And also, Watchamania.com. If you like stuff and things. Little posts. Little, little things. Got a few little posts on there. But it's got things on the site. My best of posts. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Billy. All right, that's going to do it for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And we will catch you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. Thanks for voting. People power! People power. I am a giant. Well, this is not relevant. <laughs>